Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Art of Wrestlebox, the collaborative wrestling podcast where we are looking at some free-to-view wrestling content that's been getting us through the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, it's not technically true for this edition um, because we are working our way back into the world of the National Wrestling Alliance and we are looking at the very first pay-per-view to take place since the inception of their YouTube show NWA Power. It's Into the Fire! It's in the fire. I am your host, the man who has stowed away more times than an illegal immigrant trying to get from Calais to Dover. I am the stowaway from the Irish podcast. <laughs> I just saw coffee. Let's cut these fingers. <laughs> I am the stowaway from the R.E.D. Live podcast and your host, Lewis Ogden. Joining me as ever is the man who is a gimmick that would pretty much fit into the new generation era. It's the delivery man, James Bunkle. How are we doing? How are we doing? You all right? Yes. Delivering audio gold as usual. Fantastic. Fantastic. Joining me as well is... The reigning champion of the Lost Art of Wrestling WrestleMania Predictions League and the Master of Boys is Mr. Anthony Dark. Yes, hello. It's the real not does. <laughs> the real not does compared to those other fake not doesies. Yeah, there are uh, there are a couple of swindlers uh, out and about in the world. How are we? You good? Oh, oh grand. Yes, all oh, grand. I. Fantastic. And last but certainly not least. It is the master of the Love Handle Slam. Some people know him as AXC, but we know him simply as Mr. Adam Cox. Hello. How's thou doing? We's doing fine. Fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, we all looking forward to getting back into some NWA today? Absolutely. Let's get right up in it. I think it can be summed up with one, with one set, which is, I'm falling. <laughs> into the fire <laughs> fantastic song fantastic song well before we get into the nit and gritty of the show um i just wanted to make a quick little thing uh about the speaking out movement that has been going on over the past couple of weeks um it's a movement that has rocked the professional wrestling world 
some might say sort of like it's been a big detriment to the industry as a whole but in many 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 people's eyes it is something that has it's a long time coming really um all i can say is that if you have had well if you if you're looking to not get involved with the whole thing but if you're if you're something that you need to speak out get off your chest there are avenues you can go through i know that um Leanne Marie, who is part of the Brit wrestling scene, she does sort of like loads of backstage stuff for uh, TNT Wrestling in Liverpool. Um, you can find her details sort of like on Twitter. She, along with a number of like particularly people in the Brit- British wrestling scene, um, as well as many other people in the wrestling scene. Uh, yeah, if you if you have any anything, I don't want to say noteworthy. Noteworthy is not a good. But, you know, if you feel that you have something that you need to contribute, then, you know, those are the people that you need to to get in touch with. And really sort of thinking about this whole speaking, speaking out movement, um, no one I feel summed this up better than Anthony Mishnoe Thomas, who was part of the uh, Wrestling Soup podcast. And um, if you're obviously on sort of like the... Uh, one thing I can definitely recommend is the Speaking Out podcast that they did. Um, not It was either last week or the week before, um, but it's available on the Wrestling Suit Patreon page. Um, it's about a two and a half hour discussion of just sort of like all the stuff that have, well, a majority of the stuff that has come out of this of this movement. It is quite a tough listen, but it is a very um, interesting and noteworthy listen. And it's, as I say, Missionary Thomas, like sum this whole situation up perfectly and i'm quoting here um he said i don't think this movement will be the death of wrestling but if nothing changes it should and i think that just sums that sums up this this whole thing quite nice well i say quite nicely it's, i have to pick and choose my words really it's it's quite a bit of a minefield um but yeah that's sums up the the whole thing at least from my perspective and i'm pretty sure the guys in here would uh, would agree as well amen amen yeah amen <laughs> anyway should we get on to some uh, some actual positive stuff in the world of wrestling i think we should yeah uh, so yeah <laughs> so yes we are looking at nwa into the fire today which was the first nwa pay-per-view to take place after the inception inception of their youtube show uh nwa power um though i made the daring attempt at watching all nine episodes that pretty much built up to this pay-per-view uh and the pay-per-view itself in the space of three days so i'd like to think i'm going to be quite knowledgeable but if i miss stuff out here or there i do apologize but i've just been quite wrestling heavy for the past days so so uh into the fire took place on december 14th 2019 from the gpb studios in atlanta georgia and a sold out capacity crowd of 255 um just the very first thing that i want to uh, ask you guys what do you think of uh, gpb studios as a venue i've got to say i i really enjoy it i think it kind of takes me back to you know, it takes me 
I don't want to say back to the old days because the old days for me are technically the Attitude Era. Well, you're like 10 years old, for God's sake, as well. (laughs) The old days. The old days. I'm in my 30s. I I consider myself to be old because I feel it. When you say say the old days, you make it sound like you're watching NWA in the 60s. Yeah, I know, and that's not that's what I was just about to explain. That I'm that's what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is, <laughs> it it gives like I don't know if anybody else did it, but even though like while I was sat watching, you know, the Attitude Era and stuff like that, you would see clips going back to you know the eight back to stuff in the 80s like Roddy Piper and Piper's Pit and with you know all all, all of the uh, you know the, the the elements like that you know from um, from back from back in that time and it kind of make it feels to me like like it's like that do you know what yeah, i mean yeah, it's it's a nostalgic feel being sort yeah. of like in the same studios that gave you championship wrestling sort of like yeah. every saturday when you were back exactly. in sort of like mid to late 80s yeah and you know and like you know as you as you get into liking wrestling and stuff like that you end inevitably you end up looking back at the past and what happened in the past and watching bits and pieces from that and that's kind of what i got for you know the feeling i got was wow it's something completely different but it the the, the it kind of made me feel like nostalgic for something that i didn't even see at the time but i've learned to watch so to hmm. speak yeah yeah anybody else uh anything to contribute or is it just uh <laughs> is it just bunkle <laughs> I was waiting for not that to chime in with something, but oh, go on. Sorry, I, I, don't, I don't like interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'll go. No, honestly, I, I, I do like it. It's quite a... I'll go use the word quaint, but uh, going back on Bunkle's uh, old thing, but I won't use the word quaint, as I'm not from fucking Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I shall use the word intimate, um, being the master of boys. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Right. It is. It is it, I, I feel. <laughs> I feel closer to the action, so to speak. Again, fuck me with these fucking double entendres. We know what you I, mean. Know yeah, what you I mean. feel. I feel close to the action watching it, and it feels a bit more. Uh, I don't know. With with when you're watching WWE and AEW, and you're like that that hard cam, which is fucking million miles away from the ring. You you feel like. You're, you're too far away from it, and you, you know, it doesn't feel right. I like it. It's, mm. it's nice. Yeah. Mm. It reminds me of a bit of um, going back to when Saturday Night was on bloody was it Channel Five? No, Worldwide. God, I can't remember. Yeah, w- you yeah, used, used to have WCW Worldwide back on uh, Channel 4 or Channel 5. In the, Channel like, 5. Like, it was Channel 5, I think. There we go. Channel 5, like yeah. late 90s. I think, yeah. I'm sure Bunker caught a couple of episodes of it at points, but he's not in his head, even he's on mute. But uh, yeah, it reminds me of that, but it's, there's a couple of, like it is, I do like the venue, but it is there's a couple of instances where it's sort of limiting, you know, I find in a way, but I'll cover that when we when we get to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm sort of like Daz. I quite like the there's a nostalgic, intimate feeling that you get from being in in these studios. Like, obviously, you get the nostalgic feel of you know um, Jim Crockett, Jim Crockett, Jim Crockett Promotions wrestling 
in the mid to late 80s. Um, and I quite like sort of like the fixed, like steady cameras that you would normally sort of, you know, get in old mock television shows and sort of like, you know, even dating back to like the 1960s or whatever. And as much as I quite like these like steady cams, the look and the nostalgic feel that they give, they do, as Coxie says, they do have the limitations, which does pop up a couple of times during the pay-per-view. Um, and I can, well, I mean, I, I sort of remember watching it um, when I was watching this pay-per-view and I kept thinking, well, you know, it's the NWA. Why haven't they tried to, uh, why haven't they tried to sort of like, you know, have this pay-per-view in a bigger building? And you sort of have to realise that NWA power was still in its infancy. They didn't know if they had like a viable audience. I mean, obviously, looking further ahead, they did get this 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 bigger audience. And you know, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I can understand why they they did it in sort of like the studios because, as I say, and power hadn't like truly kicked off. I'm sorry, I, I was put off because you know we we've all four of us got the weapons on. And, uh, Anthony's got like a trilby hat, that, <laughs> but he couldn't get it. Of course, he couldn't get it working before we started recording. Now we are recording. Hey! So yeah, it. Oh, that's that's it. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're alive, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, commentary team tonight is Joe Galley on play-by-play and on colour is the newest addition to the National Wrestling Alliance, Stu Bennett. Now, people are wondering, hang on a minute, where's Jim Cornette? Well, let me get my laptop out, people, because on episode number seven of NWA Power, during a match between the National Treasure, Nick Aldis, and Trevor Murdoch, Jim Cornette made a, um, a certain, certain comment on, uh, on Mr. Trevor Murdoch. And I am quoting here. Trevor Murdoch is the only man I've ever known that can strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter f- across Ethiopia. Now, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure sort of like when this whole thing came out, somebody was able, somebody able, uh, somebody was able to clip a, like an episode of Monday Night Raw in like the mid nineties where Cornette made exactly the same comment. And, yeah, yeah, I mean... The issue isn't him reusing material here, it's what he's saying. No, 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 it's, 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 it's pretty much like basically what he said. And, yeah. you know, the, the truth of the matter is you can't be making those sorts of comments, no matter what you intend, in this day and age. Because, you know, we live, just... we live in a day... We live it. We live in a day and age where the episode of Faulty Towers, where the basic premise of "don't mention the war" is is not allowed to be viewed. Well, I, I'll just point out. <laughs> I just wanted to say because I actually <laughs> listened to the Jim Cornette. I'm podcast, going to like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did come out and he did say that it's not actually that time where he used it on Raw. That's actually the second time of him using it. He used it even earlier than that. So it's not like it's it's not like it's brand new like new material. I'll use air quotes here. Um, 
But as you pointed out, they had six weeks to edit this episode and could have taken it out if they really wanted to. Mm. So it's not you can't. <clears throat> Though he should never have said it, and I agree, he's just yeah. saying something that, as a Southern American guy, that you know he's literally repeated a line that he's used multiple times before, and they should have cut it. And he even said yeah. that if they were unhappy with it, which he clearly were, they should have cut it. They had ample opportunity to get rid of it, and they didn't even fire him. He basically told them, "Oh, I'll fuck off. I'm done." So, so I should probably say um, that Jim Connick actually resigned from his position as uh, NWA's color commentary, color yeah. commentator, and uh, the NWA released the following statement. Uh, effective immediately, Jim Cornette has resigned from the National Wrestling Alliance. As an, as an announcer on the November 19th edition of NWA Power, Jim made remarks during a singles match between Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch that was both offensive and did not meet the high standards of decency and good faith of the National Wrestling Alliance. So to ensure that such an error can never happen again, we've established new procedures of review for all the NWA programming going forward. We sincerely regret our failure in this regard. So that's uh, that's basically the whole thing with Jim Cornette in this whole NWA bubble. And uh, yeah, his replacement, Stu Bennett, was announced... Um, very last thing of the Go Home episode of NWA Power by NWA World Champion Nick Aldis. Um, just wondering, guys, what do you think of the appointment? He's the most boring man alive. But, Fair enough, right? Nick? But, but <laughs> I will say that I think he is getting better. But to hire him based on his performance on World of Sport. I think was an error. <laughs> well, this, this, the, thing, the thing is, sort of like, I think there were more glaring errors with World of Sport. Like, for instance, if you hired the editing team or camera production team from World oh, of Sport, yeah. then of course. that would be, I, I feel that would be sort of like a, a big grave injustice that, you know. Give, give the people that produce that piece of shit work. The thing is, it was like, an, it was like fucking total wipeout the way they fucking presented it on ITV, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a fucking episode of total wipeout. But yeah, I, I will say about Stu Bennett though, he comes from a. I think why he employed him was, he comes from like the, that wrestling background, and because he can't act, they he <laughs> has to be a commentator. Oh come at me, Stu Bennett, I don't care. <laughs> No, no, no I, 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 I like him. I like him in that position. Not because he was born around the corner from me, but <laughs> <laughs> on a serious note, he was genuinely born around the corner from me. He's from there, Preston, repping it. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Not can't fun. say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I can say then... what the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, then. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, be careful. You don't want the love handle slam. Trust me. <laughs> boys, maybe I do. <laughs> Just bring up another boy and shut the fuck up. Careful now. Get me that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I've got to be honest, like, based on his performance tonight, I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't 
like inspired particularly when sort of like there was a couple of comments like in the middle of the show that were just sort of like uh, Christ almighty but we will get to them we will get to it uh, our opening contest of the night is Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson um, now we made mention at the towards the end of our Crockett Cup episode if you've not listened go back and listen to it now um, the about uh, potential candidates to challenge Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight title. And we couldn't really think of anybody sort of like off the bat who would be sort of like in the NWA at the moment that you could potentially build and then have them go on to challenge and potentially potentially dethrone Nick Aldis as the NWA heavyweight champion. Uh, I just want to throw my hat in the ring and say that I think Eli Drake would be a um, be a very suitable suitable candidate because, as I say, I've watched all nine episodes of uh, NWA Power that lead up to this pay-per-view, and I think the one shining constant, well, I said the one shining constant, this guy that I've probably been sort of like, yeah, I could see him going to challenge for the the world title would be Eli Drake because I think he's incredibly charismatic. He's very good on the microphone. I've only ever seen him in the one match and that was against, I think it was Caleb Connolly, who is very good enhancement talent, but it was very, very good, very good match. He's a very decent worker. And I mean, particularly sort of like in the early episodes of Power, they have sown the seeds of, you know, a potential slow build towards a title match with Aldous. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's, out of all the current roster members at the moment, I think he would be my candidate. Yeah, I mean, you know, having also seen, obviously seen all of Power and, you know, the pay-per-views and whatnot, Eli Drake is a standout performer. But... <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, <laughs> that's the point I was making, children. <laughs> this is the problem of having webcams, children. Like, it's <laughs> 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 our age. <laughs> I, I've no, I was looking down. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, Eli Drake is. He's got everything you could ask for. He's got size. He's great, he's great on the mic. What? Sorry, I don't do midgets like... <laughs> crap like bloody flip-de-do guys and whatever. I don't bother. He's got yeah. size. <laughs> what? It's a... You could just say he's built. He's got size. He's got the size. What's wrong with that? No, he has, he has got. That's a... You've got no. size, pal. You got size. I have. I'm not. Hey, tell you what, I'm not far from 19 stone this size. <laughs> He's got size. <laughs> That's always just like. He's a man. <laughs> He's got size. <laughs> Big size. He's got size. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell, he's got size. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, Muggle. He has got a good physique. 
Yeah, he doesn't look like a man-child, is basically yeah. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and, you know, he's got everything you could ask for in a champion. Do I think he's on the same level as Nick Aldis? No. But no. could you build him up to be? Yeah, of course you could. And I thought, like you say, after the first, you know, after the first season, so to speak, of power, that was something that it looked like they were going to start teasing us. But especially right at the beginning, you know, he was the one who was, he was cutting promos like, you know, after Aldis, he was the one who, you know, was given, again, he was given a lot of mic time and stuff like that. So, you know, I think it's something that they, they could definitely look to do in the future. Though, to me, maybe you have him lose the first time and then come back on a second build, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't do that. I mean, like, I realise we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, yeah. you know, there does seem to be like a, prog- a progression that Drake is, is taking on a possible path to the title. Um, yeah. But, like, I can't remember whether it was episode two or episode three, but um, there's a... There's a time where sort of like James Storm comes out for a promo and he's just like a case of, you know, he's got the national title and he's like, but, you know, that's it's all good having the national title, but it's not what I want. I want the £10 gold. I want Sweet Charlotte and stuff like that. And Eli Drake comes out and he's just basically going, hey, don't dumb down the fact that you're the national champion. Anybody who, you know, anybody would give their arm and leg to hold that title. That title is prestige. That title is sort of like, you know, an important moniker in terms of the NWA. And, you know, I'm not saying he's on the level of Nick Aldis when it comes to cutting promos, but, you know, he is very serviceable, particularly when you're looking at sort of like someone who will put the NWA over as being this, you know, this important prestigious company to be a part of. I will say this, though, especially in this um, event, they really need to stop comparing him to Ken Anderson. Because I feel every time they mention he's a great talker, he's a great wrestler, and then so is Ken Anderson. He's just like Ken Anderson. That lowers his own, lowers um, Eli Drake's own level as to what he can get at. Um, yes. And that's not that's not a, a, a sledge on, on Ken Anderson at all. Oh, don't worry, I can switch on Ken Anderson. That's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel every time he steps into a ring near uh, at an event where Ken Anderson is there, or, for instance, when he's in a match with Ken Anderson, stop comparing the two. Yes. Ken Anderson had his moment. He dropped Randy Orton on his head and fucking lost it. Um, amongst other things, allegedly. Eli Drake is an up-and-comer. Still. I still. I think he's still got to reach the, 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 the top level. I, I don't think he's at where he could be yet. No. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's why I say he's sort of like... The, he's the one guy in the NWA that if you were looking at doing sort of like a year, 18-month, even in like a two-year build to him potentially, and you book him correctly... And I feel he is the he's the one that could probably do the most with it, from what I could see. Um, yeah, Let's, we should probably talk about a little bit about his opponent, Ken Anderson. I fucking hate Ken Anderson. I think he's well, <laughs> it calls 
he calls himself the asshole, and I don't think a gimmick is like quite encapsulates the man more. I, I I think he's a fucking waste of waste of fucking space on the professional wrestling scene. To be honest with you. To be fair. I think, I, <laughs> yeah, I really yeah I really don't like him. I really like I remember watching NWA Power for the first time and him coming out. I was like, oh for fuck's sake, why <laughs> him? Uh, you, you see, I I don't particularly like Ken Anderson, but I understand why he's there. And if you're going to use him as what I think you've got to use him as, which is a name, a heel that puts the guy over, you know, he is a stepping stone to see if, like, if, it's like, like when we get on to talk about this match, I, I enjoyed the match, but I think one of the things that <clears> they were, it felt to me like they were trying to do was figure out who the crowd likes and who they don't. It felt very much to me like they both did. They both used heelish tactics at a time. They both tried to play up to the crowd at a time. They were trying to see who, okay, which one of these guys are we going to keep as a baby face and which one are we going to make a heel? Which is quite a dangerous move for a I company. Think I think it's a very dangerous because the, the crowd could react on nostalgia. Yeah. Which really could last a couple of months. And you could bury this... You could end up burying Eli Drake there and there. You could have done. It was a risky move, but I I like the fact that they did that because it it established that Ken Anderson is what he is. He is a low-card heel that you use to build up a guy. And it was... That's the role that he ended up taking taking during this pay-per-view is he's there to play the shit heel... And have Eli Drake, Eli Drake just win and move on from him. You know what I mean? It was yeah. a it was a stepping stone. It was a jumping off point for a, a better talent. Yeah, yeah I, I can understand what they were trying to do, but in a way, sort of like the build to this match has been sort of like a little bit confusing because you know you've had Eli Drake being given sort of like this mic time, just basically, you know, um, being one of the big talkers in NWO power. Ken Anderson has sort of like to take exception to it, sort of pugged him out a couple of times. Um, and then just sort of like, I think it was episode seven. I think it was episode seven um, where Eli Drake was just sort of cutting a promo. Ken Anderson came out, took exception to it, just basically said, let's just go in the ring and do our, do our thing. And, you know, Anderson's going to the ring. Eli Drake blindsides him and takes the turnbuckle bar that you'd connect to sort of like the ring post to and just laid out at Anderson. So coming in, it looked as if that Drake was the default heel. But then sort of like as you get into sort of like the the inner workings of the match, it's quite a back and forth match. Um, You know, when when they get in the ring and they're about to lock up, like Anderson does the thing of sort of like, you know, taking his shirt off. Oh, I'm going to chuck it to the crowd. But then he just <clears> punks <throat> it down on the floor. And it's like, you, aren't you supposed to be the baby face in the match? But yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's not the first time that this happens tonight. I mean, we'll get onto it a little bit later on with, with the women. Um, but they do, they do do this a couple of times. And I feel that it needs to be set straight from 
beginning to end. Really. Yeah. I felt it was a, I felt it was a little bit too jarring, the fact that you had what what we thought was the established heel and the established babyface, but then they just seemed to switch it. Yeah, like I say, that's why I it's almost to a point where I felt like it was a bit of a feeling out. It, you know, they were trying to like how can I put it? Eli Drake was coming across as a babyface pretty much until he attacked Ken Anderson from behind. Mm. You know, well, as you say in episode seven, whichever it may have been, um, or was it later on? Um, but and I don't feel like they thought Ken Anderson was. I mean, to me, he doesn't seem to get much of a reaction no matter what he did, really, uh, during the episodes of Power. Um, no. There's nothing that stands out in my head. And then, as I say, when it came to this, I felt, that's why I kind of felt like they were, this. what they were trying to do was, right, well, who do you actually, who do you like? Because we've, we, we've given you, we're giving you a bit of both. You tell us. And it's a smart strategy, but as Ant said, it's a very risky one. Yeah. And this the the crowd do make sort of like it known who they want as the defunct babyface. Yeah. Um, so as the match gets going, um, there's evidence of certain promotion in the northwest of England uh, in terms of crowd interaction. You hear a fan go, "Go on, Anderson, read him his rights," and Eli Drake just goes, "The hell does that mean?" And it's <laughs> like because I, th- I think I'm pretty sure read him his rights that would be sort of like a big boss man thing. Mm, yeah. So you know. Saying it to Anderson doesn't really make any sense. Um, so it's uh, quite a technical start to uh, technical start to the match. Uh, both men are quite competent in ring. Um, Spike's heelish actions. Uh, Eli Drake takes a lot of the heat early on. Um, there's a nice diving shoulder block from the inside back in from Eli Drake, and then a lovely swinging net breaker off of a roll-up attempt. Uh, there's a Green Bay plunge from Anderson for a close two count. And then he reverses a gravy train, which is um, Eli Drake's version of the Celtic Cross, and um, into a crucifix pin for another two. Uh, impressive athleticism from Eli Drake as he does a Shelton Benjamin impression and just leaps to the top rope. To me, Ain't Anderson. No stopping him. No. That <laughs> <laughs> pretty much wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was very, very impressive, I must say. Um, Anderson attempts a sunset flip powerbomb. But uh, Eli Drake sits down into a pinning attempt and gets the win in nine minutes fifteen. Um, as Bunker was saying, I, despite the fact, despite the fact that I loathe Ken Anderson, I thought this was quite a decent opener. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as, as an uh, you know as an opening contest. You know, they didn't have to do a right lot, and you know, there was athleticism on show, and. You know, I like the result. I'm not going to argue with it. The finish. I mean, the the actual pin. Yeah, the actual the actual move that ended up in the finish. It kind of looked like they fucked it up a little bit. It was quite um, a fucking finish. You just yeah. sat on him. Yeah. But but I understand what they're trying to what they were trying to do with that. They're trying to say, well, look, Ken Anderson's made a mistake and it's cost him. Because that seems to be quite a big thing in the NWA. It's not. It's never so much of, oh, this, you know, we've all done our, everybody's done a finisher a million times and then finally somebody gets a pinfall. It's, oh, this guy's made an error. The other guy's taken advantage of it. He's the better man on this day. 
Yeah. And that seems to be what they do. They seem to do that quite a lot. You know, we've seen it, you know, at the last pay-per-view that we did with, um, with Aldis and Cody Rhodes at the end. You know, it's, it's, it's a mistake that costs you a pinfall and it can cost you everything. Mm. You know, I mean, even back to when, um, you know, you look back at even when Aldis lost the title to Cody Rhodes. It was the same kind of thing. A, a, pin, a pinfall got reversed. You know what I mean? So that's and that's all it takes between yeah. winning and losing, which is quite a nice touch. Uh, Anthony, thoughts? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I like the match. I like it, but the finish, bloody hell! He just sat on the bloke. It's, it's not Yokozuna, mate. He can <laughs> kick out of that. Oh come on! Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love Eli Drake. Uh, I think he can be a contender. I'm going to say when or if uh, Nick Aldis decides or NWA decides they don't want Nick Aldis to hold the title. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, yeah, I just think th- it, this match was nice. It was good. Uh, I did make a note saying Eli Drake's, res- well, looks like. When you play WWE 2K or any wrestling thing, you make all the effort to make your superstar look how you look. Uh, you know, you alter with the uh, the sliders, you know, you get your nose right, your hair right, your eyes right. And then you just push the fucking random button on your gear and then just go, <laughs> randomize. That, that's what he looks like. And I think that... And that's not a bad thing. I'm just think that's literally what I've just written down. I said he, he looks like he pressed a random button on a creative wrestler. Um, but yeah, the finish was. Just, I, I'm sorry, it, t- it took a bit away from me. This right person won in the end, thank God, because I could have seen could have seen it going the other way. We can answer winning with a shitty roll up, but thank thank God it was Eli Drake. Yeah. Uh, Coxie, thoughts? Um, yeah, it, not the best opener. But then I'm I'm not a fan of Anderson. I think he's a lot of stuff he has, he does sort of phone in. I think sometimes, like I well, I think well, I, I think I saw him in PCW. We've seen him. It's, well, I've seen him a couple of times in PCW and he Yeah, was, we've we've seen him. Yeah, 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 we've been there. He was phoning in it so much he might as well have been uh, employed by call centre. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. It was like it was a case of like like other imports that come over where it's a case of the another doing like three or four dates in a row. They don't want to get too banged up. So it's like, right, we'll go, we'll do this match. We'll go through the motions and we'll do this, this and this. And we'll, we'll start at A, you'll get to B and then we'll do C, which will be the finish sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I like Eli Drake. Um, there's one episode of Power, I think it's in season one, where he pretty much just cuts like a five minute promo of just, let me talk to you. And the, yeah. all the fans are just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. dummy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which to be honest with you he's, he develops into a catchphrase I mean he does say it like a couple of well I think it's only sort of like two or three times very early on but then that develops into like his catchphrase in later episodes oh, me and Bunkle had full discussions of like how it, how he just got a word over mm. <laughs> of like, but it's, it's pretty much akin to like Austin getting what over then regretting it now you're like, right with the yes and the no thing I mean, it's yeah. yes and no. <laughs> How are you doing that? Fucking like, hell. I'm, I'm waiting for the day Eli Drake's in the airport somewhere. Someone just walks up and just like shouts yeah in his face. And he's like, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> please yeah, stop. Yeah, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
guests. Uh, so the first of uh, a few interviews uh, at the interview podium with Dave Marquez uh, has an interview with Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis does what Nick Aldis does best. Of course, uh, very pro NWA pay-per-view, uh, pay NWA promo, uh, just basically putting over the company, the fans, the title, basically everything that you want from your world champion. Uh, and then James Storm comes out. Uh, let's, let's say it, there's, you know, talks of a conspiracy, you know, that's dotted throughout this pay-per-view and just basically says he'll be world champion by the end of the night. Short and sweet, James Storm yeah. gets completely outclassed. Um, but I don't think there's anybody in the world he wouldn't be, if I'm brutally honest. Uh, at least in at least in today's day and age. Um, and you know, I, 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 I liked it because it was just so it was so in like a couple of seasons doubt for later on. You know what I mean? And like it was just like say Aldis is just. So good. He's, the, he's an he's impeccable the promo. <laughs> In 21 <laughs> and 1. <laughs> Dad, I, I do. Uh, Nick Aldis speaks so well. Um, he's that face of the NWA at the minute. Let's be honest. He, he is that poster boy for the end. And what a man to pick. He speaks well. He wrestles well. He does all the above at a very high level. I like James Storm. He's not on the... With all due respect, he is not on the level of Nick Aldis. Absolutely not. He's, he's, from what I can sort of like ascertain from, as I say, the early episodes of NWA Power, he's just basically been doing his best 1997 Bret Hart impression. Of just having a moan, <laughs> having a moan of talking conspiracy theories, and I mean it shows later on in the main event that the crowd are more behind Aldis than they are Storm because you know it's much like Bret Hart, you know you may have points to you know sort of like your ramblings, but Christ Almighty, stop bitching and moaning, just get it done in the ring. Um, so yeah, we then have a clip from episode six of power with the debut of Melina and Joe Galley doing her best impression his best uh. of uh, Ian Riccoboni <laughs> to try and discredit himself as a broadcaster by calling <laughs> Melina a walking legend. A walking <laughs> legend. Like, I can... <sighs> like, there's, there's, there's two things that come to my... Well, actually, three things that come to my mind when I think about Melina. One, her doing the splits for her entrance, which, you know, anybody could probably do. Two, uh, her... Yeah, all, an... all four of us could definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, with the right training. Yeah. With the right training, I was. And 48 hours in A&E after. Be like Rob Van Dam with sort of like you know Joey Styles overhead just going, his groin. Surely you need um, what's the name of TNA? Say my badge, <laughs> Shelly Martinez. Oh, yeah, we God bless it. Um, so, yeah, that's number one. 
Number two is her allegedly having an affair with Batista when she was still with John Morrison or Johnny Nitro at the time. And three, um, when Cameron from um, the Funk, Funkadactyls fame, uh, along with Naomi, when she was on um, an episode of Tough Enough, Steve Austin asked her what her favourite wrestling match was and she replied with uh, Melina versus Alicia Fox on a random episode of Raw. And Austin's, Steve Austin's reaction was great because he was just sort of like, who? <laughs> <laughs> so that's whenever Melina comes up in conversation, I just, I just, I just think of Austin just going, there are no other great matches you can think of, and she's just like, sorry, I can't think of anything. <laughs> There are people in this world who don't deserve the blessing of a brain. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if like he is referring to Melina as a walking legend, looking at some uh, doc and doc and album album names, there's so many he could have picked from. So he could have referred to her as back for the attack, breaking the chains, dysfunctional. That's, a, that's an idea. Lightning of strikes again. Slappers just to throw it out there because I like throwing <laughs> random album names in. But... <laughs> was that what Joe Galley was doing? Was he making a reference to Doken, a Doken album? No. Um, what's his name? Bloody does it. Uh, Corey Graves. On like, I think it was like very old NXT. He used to like try and use like different uh, metal albums and stuff like he knew the names of and try and slide them into commentary. Like there's one point where he's like. Oh, Alistair Black showing a vulgar display of power there. Get it? And then he'd be like, oh, he looks like a cowboy from hell. And now he's far beyond driven. And it's like, I'll give it a rest, mate. I'm just waiting for oh, a comment- commentator to just like the pause and then like a massive spot and go, whoa, they're going to Ibiza like that. And just completely <laughs> ruin the metal and just go with Ven- Fuck it and go with Venga boys. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Nicole is, Nicole is oh, to, to be fair, to be fair, uh, their uh, MOB. There was, um, I remember once I was watching uh, UKW when they had their show on my channel. And, uh, there was the two commentators, like full on Yorkshire accents, trying to be basically be JR and uh, Jerry the King. And one of them said something, and the other one says, Oh, if you. You best watch what you say, because I will walk over there and slap the taste right out of your mouth. He's like, he's sat right next to him. <laughs> like, I walk right over there. Don't, what, I don't even need to walk, mate. I just slap you from here. Like, In other words, Melina, to be, fuck off. Yeah. yeah. To be to be honest with you, it's better than doing sort of like a hardcore Holly impression where you're just sort of like going, "I will break your ass in half, you little shithead." <laughs> Anyway, match number two, it's Tash Steels versus Fonda Rosa. Um, Fonda Rosa is the shining diamond in the NWA women's division for me. I think she's great. She's a really good worker. Um, she's got a unique look, and 
And uh, yeah, she's uh, she's incredibly uh, she's incredibly good looking as well. Yeah. Um, oh, thumbs are up perfectly. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> As Mary Ben, we must nod and not leave any evidence behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was an overwhelming moment when she came out, to be fair. Because they got entrances. Yes, yes did. yeah. We we did we did forget to mention they have entrances on this pay-per-view. And yes. they're incredible. <laughs> no, they're, no, they're not. They come out, they stroke the picture on the side for a bit, and then they fucking walk down past bloody God knows who else, fucking Yankee Yankee Doodle in his bloody USA <laughs> suit, <laughs> and then off we bloody go. There's, there's also a new <laughs> New Japan US title in the crowd. I spotted at one. Oh, point. I spotted yeah. that as well. Yeah. yeah. Next day, Yankee Yankee Doodle. He, yeah. he looks uh, so out of fucking place. <laughs> and the margarita. There's a uh, there's a guy who's wearing a Thunder Rosa t-shirt when she's going past. He literally just sort of like like it's basically like a picture with her on the front, and he's just sort of like, look at my chest, woman. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Um, that was not really piece. familiar with, not very familiar with Tasha Steeles. Um, yeah, I'm not particularly aware of that. I do know in this in um current nowadays sort of like in the beginning of uh july 2020 she's employed by impact wrestling so you know oh. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work out for everybody yeah well, I think you she, know. Only, she only made like three appearances from a friend every way and then i think from like january not yeah sort of late january onwards she sort of she's popped up in a couple of indie companies and then she's like been in tna for the past like two months or something so, yeah. well, impact. Um, so, yeah, uh, with regards to the match, um, I thought it was quite a nice heel touch um, when Steels is tied up with the Tree of Woe and sort of um, Thunder Rosa is sort of like kicking her heels back in Steels' face whilst sort of like George Jacken with the referee. Um, and then she hits a, like a lovely basement drop kick to the stomach. Um also, there's a nice walk around surfboard stretch, which is really good. Um, it's a quite an awkward running cutter from Tasha Steeles, um, which was the only sort of like note I had of offense for her in the match. Um, then there's a pair of running kicks from Rosa, and then she finishes off, finishes Steeles off with a top rope foot stomp to the back, and uh, she gets the victory in four minutes fifteen, and then. Um, Thunder Rosa continues to beat on Tasha after the bell. Ashley Vox in. Ashley Vox comes in to try and make the save. Um, and uh, Rosa beats her down as well and just like injures the elbow of Ashley Vox, who is meant to be competing in a tag match later on in the show. Um, I thought that the match was fine. Um, Tasha Stills was okay. Uh, but I mean, sort of like it was, it was a showcase for Thunder Rosa, and she is, well, she was, in, was and still is very over with the uh, NWA crowd. So good showcase for, uh, good showcase for her. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. This match was, it was what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a showcase for Thunder Rosa, and supposed to make her look like a million dollars, which it did. Tasha Steeles, I thought a promo was a bit shit. Um, that she did before the match, I didn't get it. 
I didn't understand what she said at the end either, to be honest. It kind of sounded like she was a bit nervous and mumbling. Yeah. I think she was trying to do the best, like, Conan impression. Yeah. They they sort of put over the fact that she's of Puerto Rican descent. Yeah. And she kept doing... And and she kept, like, any time she got any kind of offence, she kept trying to do, like, the gun to the head pose. And I just thought, you look a cunt. <laughs> I was just like, what are you doing? You get... I'm sorry, but you're being absolutely mullered here, love. Yeah? Get on with it. Get pinned so we can yeah, carry on. Lie. You know, and yeah. One calls full of like, oh, she's been muller cornered. What a cunt. She's <laughs> <laughs> been muller cornered everywhere. <laughs> I say, the match did what it was supposed to do. Thunder Rosa is possibly the best talent they have behind Aldis at the minute. She's most over um, in terms of a babyface, even though she really shouldn't be a babyface. And um, I'll I'll talk about it when we get on to um, the women's tag match later on. uh, Yeah. Who's supposed to be Bill? Who's who's supposed to be face? Who's supposed to be heel again? Yeah, and then um, you know the, the, that submission she uh, she put on Ashley Box at the end that looks sick. I mean, I don't know if that girl's elbows can bend you know backwards or whatever, but it looked like it was going to break. It looked really, it did look really realistic, and it looked really good. So you know, yeah, very impressed. Uh, Tasha Steels, I don't care you're an impact. See you later, love. <laughs> See you later, love. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, um, I remember watching this with Sir Bunkle of the Yard, and uh, we we both made this comment, and it would we Thunder Rosa was very stiff on uh, Tasha's Tasha's like under, there was a few times we sort of went, hang on a minute, there's something going on here that. We're not we're not wise to either someone I genuinely believe Tasha Steels has said something to Thunder Rosa at some point and it's pissed her off somewhat royally because some of those kicks to the head look, look like they had some fucking venom behind them. Um however I will move on to my favourite section that I enjoy during the women's matches, which is what I'm gonna call uh, the Mrs. Not Daz section now. <laughs> Or the, M- the <laughs> or the MND section. There we go. The MND section. Um, when Tasha Steeles came down, she went, is that a bloke? <laughs> and then I went, and then she went, no, seriously, is it a bloke? Is it a bloke? I went, no. She went, oh, I thought it was a bloke. <laughs> <laughs> the, the commentators, I don't I can't remember who said it now. I think it was Stu Bennett said, now, we don't know much about Tasha Steeles. And then uh, my good lady wife said, it's because she's a man. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, as soon as... Fund- uh, and, and the last thing, she made a lovely comment about Thunder Rose. And she went, now... And she went, bit of silence. Thunder Rose came out. And she went, now, she's cool. Can't they be more like her? And then that was it. <laughs> Well, when it comes to Thunder Rosa, your missus summed her up quite nicely, I would say. She is fucking cool, though. Yeah. She can break your heart and then fucking kick your ass after. <laughs> <laughs> she can't. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, come on. 
she, she started up, <laughs> summed it up perfectly, really. <laughs> Let's be honest, if you're with her, you would not cheat on her, because that bitch would fuck you up. Let's be honest. Oh, she'd rip, you, she'd rip your dick off and show it to you before you die. Oh, exactly, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of like Aztec, like, human sacrifice sort of thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you're nice to her, she's going to be nice to you. I feel like we've gone off topic a bit, but, I'm going to follow, but as with everything, I'm going to follow through. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, oh, fucking lockdown, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, well, first off, I love me some Thunder Rosa. Um. And I quite liked her, like, a, a, t- a singlet attire thing. I think it was, like, quite a nice sort of throwback to, like, the 80s. Like, a, almost like a London Bra- on the uh, can't even say it. A Lundra Blaze style, I think. Steady. <laughs> I'm not saying she's wet, she's plastered. But I'm just saying it's sort of the sim- similar to what she used to wear back in the day. Um, yeah, but, but, but I think it was... Thunder Rosa is, is an ass-kicking machine. Well, yeah, sort that's a thing. given. Like, she, is, is so it, scary, like she'd fucking break your arm um, and break your nose. <laughs> Bunkle, help me out here. I think it's is it season two? There's the um, Thunder Rose when she's training for MMA. Yeah, season two. Well, yeah. they show it in season two, but she was uh, actually it, had the match beforehand. Yeah, it was. The, I think it was like episode eight was a um, just pretty much sort of like a clip show. And yeah. they showed sort of like a lot of the backstage stuff of her MMA debut. That's right. Because there is, I think there is the full thing on YouTube, or there's like a 20, 20 odd minute clip, where, like short film where you can sort of watch her training and build up and the actual aftermath and stuff for it. Um, so whether that factored into the fact she was maybe a bit stiff, sort of coming straight up a fight and she's probably a bit of ring rust, no doubt, maybe. But yeah. Um, it was decent for what it was. It was short and it did what it had to do, which was just put Thunder Rosa over. Um, one of them, if it was if she was going into this match before her MMA bout, then sure they can't have a lose this match to to then go into an MMA bout in case she wins. It's like, well, you shit on your your wrestling career, love. Yeah, well, it's, on it's it's probably worth mentioning. I forgot to bring this up as well that on the same episode that Melina debuted. Um, there was a tag match of Rosa and Marty Bell versus Alison Kay and Ashley Vox, where um, Rosa pins Alison Kay, so she does have a victory over the women's champion, and that does go into the next NWA pay-per-view, which we'll talk about on a future show. Um, <clears throat> talking of NWA power, there's then a clip from the Go Home episode, episode 9, with uh, Aaron Stevens getting a cheap victory over Ricky Starks with certain help from a man that's involved in the next match. Match number three is Trevor Murdoch versus the question mark. The master yeah! of... The master <laughs> of karate. Karate. I'm, I'm pretty certain you, you do it all... I'm pretty certain you both, all three of you know who is under the mask of the question mark. Yes. Bobby Lash. The only real answer answer to that is there is not a face, so it's just just a mask. Take the mask off, there's nothing there. That'd be quite cool. It's just a voice that you hear. (laughs) 
We've got very spiritual yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the from the it's the the uh, infusions from the fields of Mongrovia. Mm. So uh, the question mark is just basically uh, Josephus uh, underneath a mask, and uh, he is just uh, the master of Mongrovian karate or karate. And um, he has a new student, student Aaron Stevens, who uh, was initially brought in to NWA Power as, um, you know, former professional wrestler turned actor, um, which uh, included him dressing up as a pirate to promote his new film, uh, Tropical Pirates, to which the crowd chanted Captain Morgan at him. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Mr. Mr. Darkness. So, yeah, Aaron Stevens had seemingly quit NWA uh, until the um, the question mark got involved with Aaron Stevens' business with Ricky Starks. And so it's just basically taking him under his wing. So uh, they're coming out. Uh, Aaron Stevens is in his uh, karate gi and uh, has a the Mongrovian flag, just basically underneath his arm. And uh, I think it's Stu Bennett mentions that, um, yeah, Aaron Stevens took up Mongrovian karate uh, three weeks ago, and he's always already a third-degree black belt. <laughs> yes, he does. Go, <laughs> oh, Greg! <laughs> it's a nice touch. Um, so, uh, say, do... <laughs> I don't know if they've yeah. established it in this timeline yet, but they actually call him Aaron Shooter Stevens. Or, as I like to call him by his initials, ass. He sounded like something out of Hello, Hello, then. Aaron Shorter Stevens. <laughs> Bring him to the Gestapo. Um, I, I do know it was the, um, what's they called, the other commentator, the Joe... Galley. That one, yeah. Um, when they first come out, because the course they come out like, from the top of the stairs, he sees uh, Aaron Stevens behind the question mark and just remarks, is he in a gi? <laughs> yes, he was the gi. <laughs> um, so, so basically, the Aaron Stevens question mark relationship uh, sort of mirrors the Miz and Damien Mizdow relationship, where Aaron Stevens will go, hey! And the crowd will go, boo! But then... The question mark will go, and everyone will go, yay! It's a very simple dynamic they follow. Very simple dynamic, <laughs> but it does work. Um, so Aaron Stevens asks uh, everyone to be respectful for the Mongrovian national anthem. I love it. Can I just say, I love it when he, he'll, he'll be just like people talking, and they're like, you know, shut up! Like, it's, it's the funniest thing. I don't know why I find it. It would just be like, it would just like mid talking. Like, you must respect them. I go, shut up! Like, <laughs> I know, it's when, I when he that first, so funny. When he first came into NWA, he was cutting a promo, and um, me and Bunker used to sort of message about back and forth. Like, you watched it, yeah. Like, yeah. And um, it was the first episode he appears on, and he's just cutting a promo, and so, like all the fans are talking, he just goes silence, and all the crowds like think it's funny, like like yeah, he's a face, and it's like he does it again, and it's like oh, we're meant to hate him. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, Aaron Stevens asks everyone to rise and be silent for the Mongrovian national anthem. He unveils the uh, Mongrovian flag, which is just basically two animals 
either side with just like the question mark logo right in the middle. <clears throat> and the Mongrovia National Anthem just basically consists of the question mark doing grunts. <laughs> Which Bunker can demonstrate now. Yes. <laughs> Bunker, Bunker, no. Bunker. Grunt for me, Bunkle. Grunt for me. <laughs> the master of boys commands you to. <laughs> I, I, I may not know the national anthem from Mongrovia, but I can tell you the two animals that are on the flag. Yeah, God. I, t- I think the, one of them was an anteater. One of them's an anteater, and the other one is an emu. It's an emu. That's okay. Um, so, t- but I'm not going to do the whole thing, but it's just basically the way the question mark does the Mongrovian National Anthem. It's just basically like a... (laughs) And it's a great bit, because, like, he's sort of, like, he's doing this, you know, grunting song, not meant in that way. Um, And he sort of, like, stops, and everyone just goes, and then he just carries on again. (laughs) (laughs) It was fucking hilarious. It was so good. It was really good. Um, I'd love to know who pitched that in the writer's room. Of like, yeah, you're going to sing the Mongrovian National Anthem. What's that? We're just going to stand there and grunt for two minutes. And then you're going to stop. They're going to applaud. You're going to carry on grunting. Like, <laughs> okay, I can do that. It's it's one of those things of just sort of like comedy that if WWE attempted to do it, it would just be WWE levels of not funny. Yeah. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's that kind of comedy which would work in other people, other companies' hands. Um, so the question marks opponent is Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch, um, well, I, I was out of wrestling when he was, you know, sort of, you, you could say that his main run was in WWE in a tag team with Lance Cade in the late 2000s. I think it was around that time. Um, and I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, so um, yeah, I didn't really see that much of him. But from what I've seen of matches that he's had, I mean, he's had matches with Ricky Starks, Caleb Connolly, had a really good match with Mick Aldis. He's a very good worker. I'd, I'd, I've been quite impressed from what I've seen of uh, of Trevor Murdoch. I think he's a he's a good hand, good hand to have. Yeah, he's always seemed solid. I mean. I mean... You talk about his main run as the, the tag team with Lance Cade, but no, wrestling was on a bit of a down then, really. And, you know, I mean, not, not suggesting that it's on a massive high now. Um, but, you know, the... I didn't... I, how can I put it? It's not something to rave about. Let's put it that way. No, no, but that's but that he is, is basically what he's synonymous for. Yeah, yeah, and he is talented. I mean, he was trained by Harley Race, so he's got to have something going for him, you know. So, you know, he's a uh, yeah. I, I've been impressed with him every time I've seen him. I thought he was. I, I didn't have high hopes when I saw him come out the fir- that first time on Power. I thought shit. But yeah, he, he, yeah. he does have a bit of a gut on him. A, a bit of a gut. He makes me look slim. <laughs> yeah, but that that AXC guy had a bit of a gut, and he can he can get over and work a crowd, so you know. Yeah, we'll handle slam, baby. Yeah, <laughs> he can fucking slam you like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Hello, you. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, you I'd... do. <laughs> <laughs> I will yeah, say I... this, guys. I, I will mention. 
the, doesn't uh, Stevens call uh, the question mark the 1998 acapella champion of Mangrovia? Yes, which he does. is just so. I mean, you know, it's just, it's it's really just funny. And I've also written down if vacant was a wrestler, it would look like the question mark. Yeah. 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 That's when, listeners, that's when one of my jokes actually gets taken seriously and is actually correct. (laughs) You all need to be fucking worried round about now. (laughs) The fact fact you've said that just makes makes me hope there's like a whole Scooby Doo bit where it's like, no, let's see the question mark. Real. Take the mask off. It's like, vacant. <laughs> and then he's just got a, twi- a tweet goes out on Twitter going, I would have got away, got away for you, with you, you meddling, you meddling smarks. Whoa, right? Like throwing scoop. Turn that to like Jim Cornette or something in a mask, like. Oh, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> well, no, well, no, it wasn't right. Well, I mean, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> could, could you imagine? Actually, let's let's put like a, a thing out saying. Um, who is the most ridiculous person that could be under that mask? <laughs> We've thrown Jim Cornette out there. Let's fucking throw something else out there. Trish Stratus. <laughs> Trish Stratus. <laughs> Nick Dinsmore, a.k.a. Eugene. Oh, God. Oh, God. Shane O'Mac. Oh, yeah. Full-on full on needs to be someone like, not affiliated with like, uh, NWA at all. Like, you see if be like... Someone like someone who fucking AEW or something, or just like some <laughs> like random in talent. <laughs> some like Orange random in talent. Orange Cassidy. Oh, I love that man. Just <laughs> <sighs> like, so let's, <laughs> let's find out the question mark really is. Take the mask off. Hornswoggle. <laughs> As long as Charlie was sitting like his proper accent as well, like I would have gone away if it did one of you meddling, meddling smokes. <laughs> then just like pipes onto a random apple that's come out of nowhere. He spits in the face of people who don't like karate. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I would have gotten away with it if it were one of your meddling smokes, that's not cool. Um. <laughs> All right, Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was that straight. Um, oh, you make so, me crazy. Right, go on. With, with regards to the match, I didn't really make many notes bar the finish. I just thought that it wasn't, bar like a brief chop fest in the corner. I don't think this was much in terms of sort of like a technical technical match really um but this the question mark is so fucking over with this crowd so over i mean there's a there's a case with sort of like the second lot of tapings so between like episode six and nine where um i think there's like an occasion where the question mark wrestles ricky starks and it's the first evidence that i've seen of um the nwa having smarky crowds because they're just sort of like, yay, question mark, boo, Ricky Starks, was Ricky Starks meant to be sort of like this up-and-come babyface. And, you know. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> I would say it's quite amazing how question mark has got over, to be honest. Um, yeah? But, yeah, this this match 
I, I've literally written nothing special, but the crowd was into it. So yeah. I, they just used so, it to set up for further shows. In terms of the question mark, <laughs> what we've learned is, yes, wrestling fans love their professional wrestlers, i.e. Nick Aldis, i.e. John Moxley's, i.e. Seth Rollins, i.e. AJ Styles. But we also love dumb shit, like <laughs> the question mark, like Orange Cassidy. We love dumb shit, <laughs> hence why I'm here. <laughs> but we it's just, it's, that, the, it's that it's, entertainment factor. It's that that bit that sort of it loosens it all up a bit. It sort of makes it entertaining. It makes you laugh. It makes you smile. It's it's if, fun to watch. It's the character work. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's brilliantly done. It's something so simple and so stupid. It has no right to work at all. It, but it does. <laughs> I can see the look on Bunkle's face. Bunkle's like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Go on, Bunkle. But, I'm ready um... for another fucking argument. Let's, <laughs> Come on. Let's fucking I'm so- go. I'm sorry, but Pockets can go fuck himself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I've, I, 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 don't, I don't... Pockets, yeah. Because he has his hands in his pockets at all fucking times. Right. Pockets. <laughs> we were all looking at each other like, who the fuck's... Pockets. I can tell none of you listen to Jim Cornette, that's for sure. He's <laughs> pockets. It's just like a childhood friend who you, you miss a lot. <laughs> like... The only um, the only nick the only nicknames that sorry sorry Cox, I will I will let you talk in one second. But the only nicknames that I can remember Jim Cornette giving is um he called I seem to remember he called Kenny Omega Kenny of Olivier Kenny, Kenny of Olivier. Olivier. Yeah. And um, didn't he put, call Baron Corbin Possum King? Yes. <laughs> just called him Possum, Possum King. King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also called Joey Janella, like, is it Jelly or Joey Joey Jelly or something? Or Jelly, Je- Jelly, Jelly Nutella. Janella. Jelly Nutella, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And he calls the Young Bucks Road Warrior Book and Balding Book. Um, yeah anyway getting back to the match because this isn't an AEW podcast (laughs) not yet no because AEW sucks (laughs) Um, yeah I think it's part of that thing of like the fact he's got over is because of the likes of like back in the NWA you had guys like the masked was it the masked assassin and like the masked you had like even a guy called like the masked wrestler and sort of that, I think that's gone from that sort of trend of like, right, we'll bring a mask guy in who doesn't really do much. We'll, we'll get him over as best we can with the crowd. And uh, there's a company called UWA that was in running the UK, and they even had a few shows in Blackpool that I even went to. Um, but they ran on a, a channel back in '99, 2000 called uh, Live Live TV or something like that, or li- the Live Channel it was called. And they had a character called Big Papa T. He was basically a guy in an all-black singlet, black like, leather mask, black boots. He'd come out, he'd do a few punches, his opponent would try and hit him, he'd no-sell, he'd just put him in a random submission and he'd win, and he was somehow over. Like, not a fucking clue how. Like, but it worked. And that must be sort of, they probably followed the same formula. There's, there'll be some sort of weird formula of like, yeah, fans seem to like mask guys, don't really do much, so we'll go with that. Um, so yeah, the uh, the finish of this match, um, Trevor Murdoch 
uh, as he's scaling the ropes to nail his top rope bulldog, he's uh, manho- manhandles the Mongrovian flag that's being held by um, one of the question marks many students uh, in the many gyms that have op- uh, opening up over the United States. Um, and as Trevor Murdoch is uh, dealing with the distraction from Aaron Stevens, um, the sight of the flag being desecrated uh, sends the question mark into a rage. And then as um, Trevor Murdoch gets back into the ring, question mark nails him with a um, with a double double thrusting strike to the throat and pins Trevor Murdoch in five minutes fifty five. Uh, as I say, the match wasn't a technical maths masterpiece. But the crowd was into it, so it made it serviceable. Yeah, 100% agreed. Not much more you can say. No. Yep. Did the job, did the job, did the business. On to the next one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so before the next match, clip from episode 9 of NWA Power of uh, the Rock and Roll Express capturing the NWA tag team titles from the wild cards uh, for the ninth time. Uh, which leads us on to the subsequent rematch uh, for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. The champions, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, taking on the team of Tom Latimer and Royce Isaacs, the Wild Cards. Um, I will say, throughout this uh, entire pay-per-view, as the uh, wrestlers are coming out making their entrance, Joe Galley does a very good job of uh, documenting the stories that are leading up to the matches. Sort of like you know doing like little recaps of uh, how each match came to be, which is a positive. Um, I have in my notes that Ricky Morton is the much more competent worker uh, of the Rock and Roll Express because it just seems to me that every time sort of Robert Gibson got in, he was incredibly limited, incredibly limited. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ricky Morton's always been the worker of the pair, but I think Ricky Morton. I'm not, he obviously, he seems good for his age, whereas Robert Gibson seems his age. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And that's not, that's not a knock. No, no, because, no, because the thing is like both of them are like at the very least in the early sixties. Yeah. Maybe, maybe late fifties, late fifties, early sixties, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, like, you know. I mean, even when you when you look at the the mic work, if they're cutting a promo, it's Ricky Morton who's cutting that promo because Ricky Morton is the guy with the talent. And you know, as I mean, I was um, I was listening to Jim Connor earlier today actually, and he was talking about how you know the the only not that it was ever discussed as a serious thing that they were going to do, but if they were because they didn't want to break up the Rock and Roll Express, but they knew Ricky Morton was the talent. Yeah. Mm. So you wouldn't put the NWA title on Ricky Morton because the Rockefeller Express are in another building, in another, in another state drawing just as much money as the NWA champions because mm. of that good. Yeah. But and it, I think it shines through nowadays more, even more so that, you know, Ricky Morton is, he does most of the work in the ring and he does all the promos out of the ring. You know, I think there's there's a clear reason for it. And I think, you know, I still think he's quite, for his age, he's quite good. Uh, yeah. I, I will say, what the living hell <clears throat> was Homicide 
and Eddie Kingston and the Dawsons doing in this match? Waste of time. What, what the fucking hell were they doing? What well, are you doing? I think it was um, episode five when the Rock and Roll Express made their debut. Um, I think it was was I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Homicide and Eddie Kingston against the Dawsons and um Kingston and Homicide have basically put up their shot for the NWA title. Uh the NWA titles against the Dawsons. And I think there was a case of the wildcards interfering and then the Rock and Roll Express came out to sort of make the save. So I think it's just sort of like a way of like combating each other's interference spots. Even though I... they didn't really make make too much mention of it. I hated this match. I really uh, fucking because there were some shitty comedy spots with the wild cards. The, the wild cards are actually a very good tag team, two very good wrestlers, and to 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 lower them down to doing shitty little oh we bumped into each other oh no let's fall over them kind of spots is is a little bit below that. I think it's below them. All that shitty yeah. comedy. Also. Saying that, Roy Isaacs, you look like a bad guy from a shit western. Sort them boots out, pal. I mean, come on, you look like someone, someone like Clint Eastwood's going to hunt down and kill. <laughs> you need to sort it out, pal. Sort it out. That's all I'm going to say. But, 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 it, 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 I, I don't like. I like the Rock and Roll Express, but I, I, I don't at the same time. Yeah. Because this is what they produce. Yeah, this is what I they produce at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel exactly the same way about the Rock and Roll Express, really. I mean, but I understand what they were trying to do in this match. They're trying to make it seem that the Rock and Roll Express are a, a more, they have more continuity as a tag team because they've been around longer. The whole story of the Wild Cards is they were thrown together and they've not been tag teaming very long. So you, you know, the the stupidity with like the silly bumping into each other's spots and stuff like that. The idea, what they're trying to portray, what they're trying to put across to me is that, well, this doesn't happen to Rock and Roll Express because they've been together for so long. They know each other like the back of their hand. Whereas these two guys don't yet. These two guys have all the physical attributes and on paper have everything to beat the Rock and Roll Express except for that experience and that continuity. And I'm probably looking into it a bit too deep, but that's what I do with wrestling. These are two very old men coming up against Tom Latimer and Royce Isaac. If I just walked into him, I'd probably be in a coma for two weeks. <laughs> God yeah. knows what these are. It, 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 I mean, it, it borders on the realms of... Let's be honest, I'm going to throw this out there. If the, Considering the global bastard and everything, if the global bastard didn't happen and we're continuing life as it is, even though the global bastard is fucking off now, um, the Rock and Roll Express would have won the Crockett Cup this year, and then that's that, that's them retired and done and gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. that would have been them now. I, I just fit this match sort of summed up what they are in terms of a tag team now, which is nothing more than nostalgia. Now, are we putting? 
these two at risk more? Because I, I remember speaking to Lewis about this in regards to head spots when we spoke about um, uh, Ibushi and uh, who else was it? Uh, Naito? Ibushi and Naito, was it, Lewis? Uh, we had a discussion. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a Bushi and I, so the G1 Supercard. And th- and these two people, uh, these two amazing wrestlers in a row, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. Um, basically throw each other on their heads for the form of entertainment. Now we are seeing the Rock and Roll Express throwing them themselves round at the grand age of, well, they're in the 60s, almost 70s. Yeah. Yeah, early. So I think I'm pretty sure like Ricky Morton's 62, 63. And let's be honest, the bodies are beat up. We've got to be honest with you, the bodies are beaten up. They've got, I, I, I hope to God, when they, we do get the Crockett Cup going again, they win that, and then that's them done. But when I spoke to, when I spoke to Lewis about the, um, when we were talking about Royal Quest and the, the, the other New Japan events, there's sort of like uh, an, an addiction when we spoke about PCO. PCO is a very, very good example of what the Rock and Roll Express are going through at the minute. They are doing stuff that gets the crowd over, that gets the crowd, crowd popping, that gets them on the side. It's a very addictive thing. It's, it's an addictive thing, I think. As a performer, I've never been in that position myself, but I... Personally, if someone goes, go on, Anthony, yeah, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, yeah. Even I, even when I'm like sports day or something, I'm in dad's race, I'm like, fuck it, look at me go, lad. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean, though? <laughs> you laugh, you laugh, but it, I'm always last, let's be honest. Um, but, but that's the thing. Um, cheers and praise are a very addictive thing. So when uh, Ricky is doing a, a Canadian, he's doing Canadian destroyers for fun. He's doing yeah. side dice for fun. There's a part of you that goes, there's two sides that goes, oh that's awesome. He's 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 old and he's doing that. And there's another side that you goes, he's old. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be doing that. He's gonna there's there's a real scary point that if they do this, it's like it's just as bad as the Ibushi and Naito. One day. I, I touch wood, I'm wrong. But one day it could go horrifically, horrifically wrong. Yeah. And in, in terms of how old Rock and Roll Express are, if uh, and, and NWA don't need that. NWA do not need a, uh, a serious injury on their hands. God, God bless them. I'll say, th- I mean, the, the 63 and 61 respectively. And Ricky Morton's the 63-year-old. Exactly, exactly. That's the worrying. God knows what health problems he has, because we don't know. Cause no. God knows his back is fucked. His knees are probably fucked. Everything else is fucked, probably. Yet he's still doing suicide dives out. And we're going, yeah, that's fantastic for a guy of his age, forgetting that he's probably snapping himself in two one day. It's, it's well, scary. It's scary to watch sometimes. Well, there's, there's no, you know, there is an argument that could be said that when or if the NWA gets back to, you know, gets back into tapings, that they can't take a page out of what New Japan Pro Wrestling have done since they've come back, which is 
just basically do the New Japan Cup that was meant to be going on when the COVID-19 pandemic like properly hit. There's no reason why they can't do that with the Crockett Cup and just sort of like basically get this get the swan song for the Rock and Roll Express as early as they possibly can when they get back into production rather than waiting until next year when they're a bit more worn down. What's the capacity of that little studio that they have? Should we say uh, 250, something like that, is it? 300? 250, 255 sold out. What? I, I know there's certain restrictions going on, but let's look at the grand scheme of things. Uh, currently in Australia, I know, in the AFL, the Aussie Rules League, and uh, their rugby league, they're letting about 400 to 500 fans in if they want. If they want to let them in in the stadiums, they can. Now, when everything's dying down, I'm going to talk about not, I'm not talking about next week, obviously, because let's be honest, you've got Donald Trump as your president, so good luck with that, guys. <laughs> Things are going to have to die down around October, November time. Um, what's stopping NWA? Because let's be honest, AEW have their little crowd, don't they? AEW have their little crowd. Uh, WWE have their little performance center crowd. NWA have a Big, big, I feel have a big, big advantage, I feel, in coming out of the global bastard in terms of they have that very small number of fans coming into that arena and they can put on shows on a weekly, weekly basis easily. They get hundreds of thousands of viewers. They get the fans in the arena. It's like it almost never stopped happening. You get the same. It's like it's like just watching a show. It's just like watching a normal everyday show. While WWE and AEW and Impact are still without fans, they have a big, big advantage coming up, and I hope they take advantage of it. And in terms of the Crockett Cup, if when they come back, the first thing they must do is start the Crockett Cup. Forget about power. Forget about anything else. Do the Crockett Cup. That's going to get people watching. It's going to get people's attention, especially in the wrestling community. And people are going to tune in. I'm going to tune in. If they were to announce tomorrow on their Twitter, NWA back Crockett Cup next week and have weekly episodes of this Crockett Cup and string it out for a bit, they have a big, big advantage. Big, big advantage. Something that ourselves would be very, very interested in watching. It would be better than watching with no fans at all, with deaf silence. They have a big advantage with that studio. I hope they take advantage of it. I, 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 think, the, I think the thing with NWA is that they're taking the, the pandemic a hell of a lot more seriously than AEW and particularly WWE are taking it at the moment. So I would, I would think that they're going to be a little bit, they're going to be like how New Japan dealt with the pandemic, that until we see the backside, well, I mean, sort of like it's different with regards to America and Japan because New Japan only started starting up events. They only started up events when the um, state of emergency was lifted from Japan. Now, obviously, America aren't going to do that because, you know, America, a lot like the UK, are incredibly ignorant. But um, I would think that until the backside of this COVID-19 
pandemic is in the rearview mirror, they won't they won't risk it. I don't think anyway. I it's a tricky one because we go for, we, we we look at the situation as it is. WWE have obviously been doing their thing and doing it very fucking badly. AEW have been doing their thing and doing it slightly less badly. <laughs> when let's be honest, uh, let's I'm going to talk about science for a bit. Sorry, all these things have a shelf life. Eventually this will go. Eventually this will go and this will pass. It's whoever pushes start first. WWE are itching to get their fans back in them seats with live events with tens of thousands of people. They honestly couldn't give a shit. That's the that's the only thing they're worried about at the minute. Possibly same with AEW as well. That's the only thing they care about. Getting fans back in them seats. Let's do it. Let's have have it back to normal as it were. Like nothing happened. Like there's not a disease killing people. It's fantastic. But with 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 NWA, they can they can fill that arena, that, that that small little studio that they have, and still have the viewers, i.e., me and yourselves and people that are listening. People are still going to buy the pay per views or or register on Fight TV because there's it's it's their production. It's it's a complete production. It's not patched together with performance enhancement talent in the in the stands or with with masks on that they may or may not be allowed to wear. Or with screen set up. They have the big advantage. And if they are going to cash in now, which I think they should do, because let's be honest, they should. Have the Rock and Roll Express win the Crockett Cup, string the Crockett Cup out a number of weeks, have like the main events of an episode of Power as an episode of the Crockett Cup, and let's string it out. Have a great time with it. And still have that, that 255 fans in there. Because it's going to work. It's going to work. Yeah, that's it. As well, I, I I don't think they'll take the risk until until as I say it's in the uh, it's in the background. Oh, go on, do it. Everyone else has. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> pray for Leicester. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, t- yeah, we, we kind of got a little bit sidetracked with uh <laughs> with all that. Um. So yeah, the, the finish of the match um of this tag title match. Um, there's a brawl on the outside between Outlaw Inc., which is Eddie Kingston the Homicide, is that what and called? Dawson's. Is that what they're yeah, called? Out, Outlaw. Outlaw Inc. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyway, this brawl on the outside uh, distracts Royce, distracts Royce Isaacs, um, allowing the Rock and Roll Express to nail the double drop kick, and they get the win to retain their titles in five minutes and five. Uh, and you've already said that you've hate, hated this match, then. You know, we've got that covered. Uh, Uncle Coxie thoughts? Yeah, like I said, uh, I understand what they were trying to do. It was the worst match up on the card up until now, I think, just because it's felt a bit sloppy to me. Um, mm. But 
you know, it did what it was meant to do. Uh, yeah, I think it's for me. It's like like Ant said, what you guys said, like the Rock and Roll Express, like sixty one and sixty three. So I think it's a case like just going through the motions. Like the match itself on the go is what five minutes something. Yeah, five and over five. It's pretty much like a trademark. Like you could you could pretty much close your eyes and like you could just sort of sit there what we're on mute and just be like, right, Robert's just tagged in. And well, Ricky's been worked over before, so he's just tagging into Robert, who's now like making the comeback. And yeah, it's over. Um, I was a bit sidetracked by the bloody Canadian destroyer that was evidently more more so the opponent than Ricky Morton. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was akin to the Vir, the Virgil destroyer. It's one hell of a backflip, right. wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You hold on to me, and I'll I'll do a backflip. <laughs> Um, and of course, like I'll lie before, on your back and you do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I was saying before as well about the the camera problems, this this sort of factors in here where it's there's a brawl on the outside which the camera's focused on, and it just quickly try they try to cut away because the, the there's that limitation of the cameras as it's sort of panning around, you just sort of catch the end of the drop kick and then going into the pin, which sort of killed it for me a bit, like. Sort of thing, there's, so. there's there's an exact same camera problem with the uh, the national title match, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that I didn't really comment on how I thought this match was sort of says it all. It's it was five minutes, you know, it was it was unoffensive. You know, Ricky Morton was Ricky Morton was good for his age. You know, Latimer and Isaacs were fine, and Robert Gibson was. Pretty bad, pretty bad, I must say. Um, so, uh, Stu Bennett and Joe Galley, uh, they announced the next pay-per-view taking place uh, in January. And uh, they also referenced the fact that it will be the return of the NWA Television Championship, um, which we'll get to in a later episode. So, at the interview podium, uh, Dave Marquez is with Eli Drake, um, is asked which camp he's going to be in for the main event. He puts himself in the James Storm camp. Um, I must say, as he's putting this promo, he's literally just got a wad of chewing gum in his mouth, and yeah. I'm quite su- I'm quite surprised that he was able to. Fuck you, Anthony. <laughs> Dummy, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, Dummy, yeah. I was, I was quite impressed the fact that he was able to keep the chewing gum in his mouth while still cutting this promo, um, and then uh, he. Basically, well, he goes to finish up this promo by uh, basically calling uh, Ken Anderson a speed bump on his road, uh, which leads to the attack by Ken Anderson. Uh, Anderson grabs a chair, wraps uh, wraps the chair around Eli Drake's um, neck and shoves him into the ring post and then uh, does a mic check in the ring onto the chair itself. Um, Stu Bennett went really over the fucking top with this attack because... He he just basically said, "Oh my God, I think that uh, I think that I might have paralysed him. I, 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 I don't think we should be concerned. Don't think we should be concerned. He's just been paralysed. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end of her. If this is the end of Eli Drake's career, and the fact that he's just like basically walking out, albeit with a little bit of help, sort of put like a you know a kibosh on it. But despite the despite the fact Stu Bennett was trying to." 
like sabotage this attack. I felt it was, you, you know, we, there was confusion earlier on during the match, but I felt this sort of like solidified it, as in Drake is the babyface, Anson is the heel. At least that's, you know, cut and dry now. Yeah, I, I, to me, I felt like that's what this was here to do, basically. It was here to say, look, Anderson's the heel now, we know that's what you want. Drake's the face, we know that's what you want. Though I will point out, I, I'd like the fact that in the NWA, like, one chair shot, well, maybe two in this case, or one shot with the that bar from behind the turnbuckle does damage. People don't just no-sell it and get straight back up. It's like, oh, it actually means something when you do this. So I, I do I do appreciate that quite a lot. I, I yeah. will say that I love Eli Drake's promos. He, he yeah. Is, is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because Dave Marquez was sort of said, well, it's Eli Drake. What have you got to say to us? And it's that silence. And he goes, let me talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's that, that's it's that good. Old, that's so good. That it builds a sense. It's that old school wrestling feel that he's able to get across. And, you know, he's one of those guys who could probably have like one of these WWE scripted promos and be able to like make good work of it. Yeah, he's so good. He's such a good speaker and he's so good in the ring. Um, You've got to start building to hell with. Marty Skull and God knows what else you're doing with everything else now. You've got to build this guy up as a legitimate challenger to Nick Aldis, or make him at least feel like he can be, because because I, I don't feel like there's anyone else in terms of, uh, in terms of um, on the mic in the ring. It, it's just he's the guy. Eli Drake is the is the is the man to replace the man. Shall we say, if there ever was a man to replace a man, I'm an expert on boys, not men. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, Anthony, thank you very much for uh, stealing my thunder and just making exactly the same point that I made earlier on. It's OK. But... <laughs> <laughs> what I'm here to do for you, my friend. <laughs> oh, I've seen that before. <laughs> Um, Foxy, did you have any uh, have any thoughts on this segment? Uh, nothing really, other than like the I was pretty much shitting bricks when I saw him go do the mic check onto the chair, and it was one of them because I've not seen the pay view since I first watched it like after Bunkle and Daz because I was at a, a work thing I couldn't get out of because it was a work paid event, and it was like you must work this. It's like great. Working so then by the time on. we got got finished and got away, it's like I was texting Bunk and Bunk's like it's like half two in the morning. It's like yeah, it's nearly finished, so it's up to you if you want to come round or not. Night was. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's pretty much just that thing of like the mic check on like it was it was a decent promo. Um, the mic check on the chair the chair terrified me because it was like there's only one way you can really take this, and Anderson can't see where Elijah is actually going. So it's more so on Eli Drake to make sure he lands properly and doesn't decapitate himself or something. Like, so. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more from Eli Drake in the future. And, uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Dummy, yeah. 
Um, so we'll move on to match number five. It's the it's a tag team women's match. Uh, Melina and Marty Bell against the team of the NWA Women's Champion Alison Kay and uh, Ashley Vox. Or is it? Because as you know, she was uh, apparently injured uh, due to Fonda Rosa earlier on in the night. Um, I made the case during the Drake Anderson thing of the confusion of who's the face and who's the heel. You could probably say the same thing for Alison Kay as well, because as I say, me watching all the episodes of Power leading up to this event, Alison Kay, for the most part, has been an utter bollocks. She's been a proper stock-up champion. And even going so far as to um, sort of like put down supposedly one of her best friends, Marty Bell, I'm just saying, look, you're a good wrestler, but you're not even in my league. And then she's so surprised when her best friend, Marty Bell, turns on her. And it's literally just a case of, well, you had this coming because, you know, you were being an insincere, insincere dickhead to one of very few friends that you've got in the promotion. So I'm I'm just literally in the camp of you got what you deserved. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. To be honest, I, she, I don't mind. But when she comes out, she ha her music is obviously heel music, and she's she's literally and there she does the pinky, pinky thing. What's the pinky thing about? It, I don't know. It just it, it, it is it sort it, of like a, a, a regal thing. Well, that, like a well, that's what I, I attribute it to yeah. drinking. It, it's royals drinking a cup of tea in it. So so basically, she's above the people. Yeah, you're yeah, clearly your a heel. And, pinky and she... out, say get your pinky out. <laughs> get <laughs> your pinky out, say get your pinky out. You're welcome. You're welcome, Alison K. You're very very <laughs> fucking welcome. I was gonna say if she starts chanting that, people are gonna start whipping their knobs out, and uh, it's her own fault. <laughs> whoa, whoa, no, no one's gonna stop whipping the knobs out at fucking anything. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> right. Well, you could do you could you could uh, do your impression of an elephant if you're sort of like whipping your dick out, but just turning your pockets inside out. I learned that from the, the thin blue line. I've watched the thin blue line on Amazon Prime. It's <laughs> it's quite underrated. It is quite underrated. Um, so as I say, uh, <laughs> so uh, Ashley Vox apparently injured earlier. Uh, Stu Bennett pretty much says that she's got two choices. She can either take them on two on one or just forfeit the match. Uh, she doesn't forfeit the match because David Marquez announces that Alison Kay does have an opponent and uh, it's ODB of. Uh, Partly, you mean. TNA. What? <laughs> O-double-D. She does have an, O-double she does D, have an opponent. <laughs> oh, she doesn't have a partner, I should say. She does have a partner. Uh, it's O Triple D B. Um, One dirty bitch. Yes. Always. Oh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, you, oh. you just think I was making a comment now? <laughs> oh no 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 no. It's or as she's probably known this these days. One dirty 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 bitch due to the size of her wabos. Um, God bless her. Amen. Right. Um, there is a little bit of a trivia trivia here. Did you know that in the uh, initial 
the like the very first tough enough back in 2000 2001 whenever it was odb was actually um part of the audition process i did not how did how did it go for it well fucking spoiler well how did it fucking go for it well the fact that she didn't get into sort of like the tryout period is uh probably evidence enough but um it, it, if you want sort of like the, the whole lowdown of like the fir- very first season tough enough, I definitely recommend going and listening to um, the, I know the Attitude Era podcast, like a full run through of uh, season one of tough enough. I definitely recommend it because there are like a couple of names that pop up like later on in pro wrestling. That's quite interesting to see them on. Um, I literally had in my notes, ODB is Ashley Vox's replacement, and Christ almighty, she looks rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you look fucking rough, love. <laughs> very rough. Um, and I pretty much described... Very rough, then. <laughs> very rough. Ooh, rough. So very rough. <laughs> I described this match as pretty much being a two-on-one handicap match until ODB got the hot tag. Because I literally... Before she got the hot tag, she did fucking nothing. She just stood on the apron and was just sort of like, she made a comment here or there. Um, and then when she did get in the ring, uh, it was, I mean, it was fine up until the finish. Yeah, the finish was a clusterfuck. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, because, like, from what I've seen of Marty Bell, she's a competent worker. And when she was in with Alison Kay, the match was fine. Like, I mean, keep Melina out on the outside because she's fucking dog shit. Um, <laughs> it's, that, that's not me being mean. That's me being truthful. She's a um, walking legend. <laughs> walking, I beg to talking, swallowing legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lightning strikes again. <laughs> I, am dark, I am dark lightning. Daz lightning. Um... So, yeah, uh, the, the, pretty much the finish, ODB hits one of the shittest TKOs I've ever seen oh, on Martin's belt. so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. fucking hell, it was so bad. I mean, like, I, I thought that um, Sable hitting a TKO on Mark Merritt at WrestleMania 14 was bad. This was worse. This was fucking worse. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, this, well, the baby fa- I don't know whether you could call them baby face. The team of ODB and the... Alison Kay pick up the win seven minutes twenty five. Uh, this was nothing really. Dog shit. Yeah. Dog rough. <laughs> Dog rough. If you thought the last match was bad, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> and this went longer. <laughs> Let's be honest, Melina's shit anyway. Just keep her away from actually wrestling. I don't mind yeah. if she wants to stand there and talk. Fine. Talk, talk piece, fine. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of an actual in-ring talent, I mean, 
I'm pretty sure my dog will have had a shit in the other room. That's got more talent than Molina does. Depends what you're feeding it. <laughs> but, yeah. She's she's awful. I don't understand Alison Kay's gimmick. I don't understand what she's trying to do. But maybe that's just maybe that's just me. And uh yeah, ODB was clearly there for do as little as possible, pick up the paycheck and leave. Yeah, there's just no, I don't know if there was a redeeming feature about this match. Of course there wasn't. So <laughs> Lewis, you're muted. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. I can see you, you dick. Right, here we go. Um, no, this, this, this match was such a sack of shite. Fuck me sideways. Um, I'm going to say, I made this comment, and I don't think I should have made this comment, but I've written it down, so I'm going to say it. I said, when th- when there is another woman grabbing her breasts and flashing her fanny and you're, st- you're still not the sluttiest one there, you've got to take a fucking look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the uh, I'm going to start the MND section of this, which is the Mrs. Not Dad section. Um, in terms of Alison Kay, she went, uh, nice boots and quite a nice arse, to be fair. Uh, Melina looks like a Kardashian. Marty Bell is a one, uh, scary spice wannabe. Uh, midway through the match, she went typical fucking women bitching. Just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from a woman, by the way. Into, yeah, this is my wife. This is not me. This is my wife. This is not, I realise it's the master of boys, but the missus not does. It's actually a missus. <laughs> It's not the master of boys, but the master of master of boys. She went in terms of ODB. She went fucking hell. Is that Blackpill's first woman wrestler? <laughs> if you've been to Blackpill, you, you know what I'm talking about. You'll find that funny. Uh, in terms of there's a bit where um, I think Melina tags in Bell, uh, Marty Bell, and they have like a little talk on the south, and she looked at them both and went. Yeah, they're defo lesbos. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at ODB and went, put your fucking tits away. We can all see them. No need to point them out. <laughs> and, oh, was it Stu Bennett that said we need to see more of ODB in TWA? TWA? Oh, oh, God. I'm having a stroke up here. NWA. He said, not much of a left to see, to be honest. That's the This Is Not section. We need a jingle for that, by the way. <laughs> we need a jingle. This is not section. We need to construct a soundboard, to be honest with you. Just for fair thoughts. Yeah. I'll wake her up. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not brave enough to do that. <laughs> However, if you both talk, if you all talk loud enough. <laughs> but on a serious, serious note, I like Alison Kay as a wrestler. I think she's awesome. Whether she's a face or a heel, she'll wear that out eventually, whatever, to hell with it. Marty Bell, again, she'll work herself out in the in the end. ODB, she had a bit in TNA. She was popular. She's coming back on the stage, nothing else. Melina, 
Okay. Malin, I'm going to put you in the same bracket, love, as Enzo Amore. Okay. And I mean this, and I say this because I care about you, and be, as a fellow human being. Um, Stop. <laughs> You've you've, you've you've done your bit. You've, you've been you've been good. Yes, it's all good. Yes, everything's happened. You had Dave. That's fantastic. But please stop. We've we've all see, we've all heard the stories, and I think it's just best for you. And your, for your happiness and your safety. <laughs> just stop. And just, let, just let things be. I mean, you go on, do what you want to do, make shit TikTok videos. I think that's what you're meant to be, a shit TikToker. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but please, for, for the sake of us... For the 200 and odd people who, who will want to watch NWA, uh, for the hundreds of thousands of people that are watching, please stop. <laughs> we, we care about you deeply. We don't want to... We, 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 we don't know. We don't want to laugh at you. I don't want to laugh at you. I don't want to make jokes about you. I don't think that's fair. We, we, I just want you to, to live a happy life doing whatever it is that you're good at, which you will find out eventually what you're good at. That's not your fault that you've not found that yet. We just we just want you to stop and, and just, and and just, and just and not, not be on YouTube and, and just stay away from wrestling because we care. Anthony, I'm going to give you a new gimmick. <laughs> I'm a spokesperson of Oxfam. <laughs> I was just going to call you the councillor, but, you know, spokesperson of Oxfam is 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 better. Oh, so much better. You know, uh, if I was a councillor, I'd, I'd be solving shit, not fucking making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on a serious talk, oh. Melina, fuck off and do something else. Because you're shit. <laughs> <laughs> You scream and bait, you do the splits, fantastic. I could do that on a normal Saturday night when I've had enough Guinness. So, let's be honest, you next special love, piss off. <laughs> next match, please. Coxie. Coxie. I have to, have to get Coxie's force. Yeah. Um, we'll have a rinse repeat, really, the tag match, isn't it, really? I thought, like, just whack. Change the, change the genders round, and you've got the same, like, the same match. Oh, Alice and K got worked over. Tagging ODB, ODB finished it. I thought you, t- I thought you were gonna do lava rinse repeat. in sort of like sand the deck, sand the deck. <laughs> paint the fence, paint the fence. <laughs> that's a reference. That's a reference to a different podcast. <laughs> it's the Phoenix Pod. Plug, 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 plug. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so. After that debacle of a match, um, there's a bit of a recap with um, Storm and Aldis and their referee picks, and uh, yeah, that's they t- they did a better job of doing it than 
I have done just now. Um, but I'm still I'm still trying to get over uh, Councillor Daz. Just trying to Councillor not Daz. Councillor Daz. <laughs> Councillor not Daz. I'm I'm going to run for prime minister next year. <laughs> what is it? Next four years? Yeah. Vote for. Well, don't you start crossing yourself. I'll fire. <laughs> Since Liverpool won the league, I've started going back to church. Anyway, um, co-main events, match number six is for the NWA National Championship, the champion Colt Boom Boom Cabana versus Ricky Starks versus student Aaron Stevens. Um, Colt Cabana, since we've seen him last on the Crockett Cup, uh, lost and then regained the National Championship from James Storm, um, primarily on, I believe it was episode six, either five or six of NWA power, uh, but he's been the champion there for a couple of weeks and um ricky starks uh was involved in non-title match with colt cabana was interrupted by aaron stevens and um question mark and then aaron stevens just got a couple of um victories over both cabana and ricky starks so that's why he's incorporated into this match uh aaron stevens has changed out of his gi and has gone for horrid Horrid flesh-coloured jocks. <laughs> now, I, I just, I just, like, Aaron Stevens, flesh-coloured, like anything, will work on, say, for example, for example, <laughs> Terry Ruddles in a flesh-coloured bathing suit in a bikini contest. That works. Using flesh-coloured jocks for yourself doesn't work. <laughs> Because I disagree with that because that's why I got married. <laughs> were they called were they called birthday were they called birthday jocks by any chance? No, not Daz jocks. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were. It, it was quite hard watching this match to be honest with Vic because I was just <laughs> look away, children. <laughs> It's how I would describe Harry Stevens' jocks. Because, uh, yeah, they blended in. Um, <laughs> they did. They, they, blended, they blended in so nicely. He's a blue athlete. He's a blue athlete. He's a blue athlete. Not only I guess that's He's filthy. He's fucking pound-mouthed. <laughs> um... So I had a note um, that Stevens only gets on offence due to interference from the question mark. Um, there's a lovely float over sling blade from Ricky Starks. Like he does sort of like as if he's going for like the rocks float over DDT, but sort of like it seems mid move he transitions into a sling blade, which I quite liked, quite enjoyed. Um, there's also a nice combination of drop kick to Colt Cabana and then Senton's. Stevens as he's on the floor. Um, yeah, I just had to note um, that whenever Cabana and Starks were in the ring working with each other, I thought the match was very. I thought the match was quite good. Um, Aaron Stevens, I'd put in sort of like the same bracket as maybe sort of like the Honky Tonk Man, whereas where it's like a like a decent gimmick, but in terms of like in ring quality, it's you know, I can think of I can think of much better. Um, 
the uh, the finish comes when um, Cabana tries a Superman pin on Ricky Starks, um, but he's so close to the ropes it allows the question marks to hit him with a Mongolian frost and um, more more work with uh, the static cameras. We apparently uh, apparently Ricky Starks hits a spear on Colt Cabana, although we don't see it because the camera is looking at uh, Aaron Stevens, who runs into the ring as. Uh, the question mark deals or subdues Ricky Starks and uh, Aaron Stevens pins Colt Cabana and wins the national title in 12 minutes 20. Um, as I say, when it was uh, Colt and Ricky in the ring, I thought the match was decent, but I felt that although I enjoy Aaron Stevens as a character, I don't enjoy him too much as a wrestler and I felt he sort of dragged, dragged it down a little bit. And we we didn't get we didn't get to see the finish properly because of the static camera. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to. I agree with what you say. I I think Aaron Stevens is hilarious. Uh, the flesh coloured trunks I think are hilarious. And he gets billed as a weight he refuses to disclose. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. I'm I'm still there now. <laughs> but he. The character and the, the gimmick is brilliant. I agree in ring, he's average. Mm-hmm. And decidedly so. I think, you know, I think this match does a really good job of making Ricky Starks look good. I think it does a yeah. really good job of making Colt Cabana look pretty good. And mm-hmm. almost, um, as we alluded to back with the Crockett Cup, looking a bit more serious in terms of mm-hmm. I understand that he can be silly, but he's actually a decent wrestler, and we're putting across he is a decent wrestler. But yeah, so you know, I enjoyed the match. Shame about the finish, because um, like you say, you don't see it, um, which is really frustrating. But I think I think the way that they did it was was great. They kept Aaron, they almost protected Aaron Stevens as much as they could by having him not in the match. And therefore, not looking like he's being outclassed, because, like I say, though he's competent and though he is average, these two guys are, you know, they're putting on a show that's better than that. And so, again, I thought I thought they did a really good job. Um, you know, it's uh, it's you know, it's just a shame that two out of these three competitors are no longer in the NWA. So, I will say this. What in the fuck is a stroke daddy? See, I take that as he's <laughs> wanking himself. Yeah, what is a stroke daddy? Someone tell me what a stroke daddy is. Well, yeah, I mean, given that given that Jeff given that Jeff Jarrett like specialised in sort of like you know calling people slap nuts, and his finisher, which was the skull crushing finale, was called the stroke. I'm assuming it's got something to do with masturbation. But I might I might be reading into that too much. Maybe he's a Jeff Jarrett fan. I, I just like that he's over with me. Um, <laughs> the the doesn't uh, the Colt, Colt Cabana does put on the the Billy Goat's curse, which is sort of like a reverse Boston Crab thing. It looks bloody awful. Yeah. That looks bloody crap. That that thing. Um, Ricky Star. I love this boy by the way. Ricky Starts is fantastic. I'm. I'm happy slash not happy 
he's gone to I'm happy he's gone to AEW because I think it'll give him more exposure and obviously he's going to have some big matches there he's going to get a, a bit more exposure and in terms of uh, get more experience in terms of wrestling wrestling with hope with the likes of Cody Cody he wrestled with Cody in his first his first match I mean how big how big could it get for him right now obviously he's going to go on hopefully and have bigger and better matches I feel bad because I think he was quite an important uh, slash major star in in the making in NWA. And I think given a few years, uh, given a bit of time, he could have been a, a, a world champion given the time and given the, the, the have some patience with him, let him evolve as a character, as a wrestler. He could have been a world champion, but he's made that decision to go to AEW and, in the end, that's his decision. He thinks that's best for him. Obviously, they've, I think AEW have gone, here's the contract. You're going to have your first match with Cody. He's seen dollar signs. He's seen stars. He's seen everything. And he's gone. I, I do feel, though, I was I was slightly disappointed when I did see him go to AEW. I was slightly disappointed. Although I was excited to see him there. I was disappointed because I think he could have been bigger and better in NWA. Um, in terms of Aaron Stevens in this match, I mean, he hides behind a fucking Christmas tree for half of it. I mean, we've all been there on Christmas Day when family has had an argument and obviously it's the husband's fault. Bunkle knows. And we, we hide behind the Christmas tree as is customary. In, especially in our fucking house anyway. <laughs> especially in my house I can't speak for yours but fuck me I can certainly speak for mine um, this was more about the dynamic between Aaron Stevens and the question mark rather than the match itself I feel like that took over a bit developing the relationship between Stevens and the question mark rather than what was quite an important title match in my opinion um the skin colored trunks okay mr c it's gonna it's gonna be another stop over in there <laughs> you are a fantastic gentleman i'm sure i'm sure you are aware and we all at the lost art think you're a fantastic person but in terms of these skin-coloured trunks, stop. Please stop. Those skin-coloured trunks are meant for one thing. Sex scenes in movies. You're you're not in any of them. So please... Well, it, it, it could be if it's acting, if it's acting, it goes down the hill. If, please just don't wear them again. Have a nice black pair or maybe a purple number. Possibly we should, red. We, we should put it into context, viewers. We are, we are sort of like on... Um, we have got sort of like the, the video cams and the Skype call. And literally all through, like, all through Anthony sort of like saying, get different coloured jocks. He is looking straight into the camera. So it's as if he's like addressing us as well. I feel I've got to step down from the comedy... Uh, section of my character 
and become a bit more serious. I'm like Celine it's Dion. It's a comedy? <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> Near, far, wherever you are. Um... <laughs> Yes, please, just 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 wear a different colour. You've got there's there's lots of colours. There's blue, there's green, uh, red, orange, orange even. Come on, if you're going for the skin colour, surely orange is a must. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Um, anyone else got any colours? <laughs> I am a teacher. I've run out of colours after like three. <laughs> That's fantastic, isn't it? Well, not really, but I, I, I think in terms of like the jocks, I think he does go in like future, in his future with the NWA, he does go into sort of like wearing the karate key, uh, karate gi, um, from this point forward. Whoever did that is a booking genius. It was probably him. He's probably looked at himself on screen and it's like, oh, that's a bit loop. <laughs> Well, to, to be fair, I still have a pair of Playboy boxes from when I was about 18, and they fit me. And I put them on the other day, and even I went, oh, no, that's not a good look, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, each to their own. Considering my gimmick um, and what I've become, I really shouldn't put them on again, should I? Well, you didn't put them on, they shout down to you, I have to bring me up another boy. Can I just say, she it fucking... Hates Dalton Castle Sim- <laughs> simply because of that. She she finds him really cringe and everything, and finds him really unnerving. And as soon as I start doing, bring me up another boy. I, honestly, the past few podcasts I've been doing, and I've been doing this master of boys gimmick. I've literally heard the next morning go, I heard you calling for another boy, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's that is something your wife. Should never fucking say to you. <laughs> That's something your wife should never ever say to you. <laughs> I, I heard you doing what he says, by the way. And I'm like, look, Dalton Castle is really, really funny, isn't he? And I, I, obviously, I've met the bloke and he's very, very nice. I, I, we're going way off talking, but fuck it, it's Dalton Castle and he plays my gimmick. And I said, look, love, I'm, <laughs> I, there's a picture of. I have two pictures of him with me. One nice serious picture and one with him in his gimmick and putting his hands on my face. Don't look into that. Um, and, I, and the way I describe it to my wife is, look, here's a picture of me and Dalton Castle. Look, he's stroking my face. Now, stroking's not the best word to use in that situation, listeners. Touching, touching you can get away with. Stroking you cannot. Oh, God. I've, <laughs> that, that's a disclaimer. Please don't do that. <laughs> Um, um, can we fucking move on, please? <coughs> oh, and there goes Lewis. <laughs> and to be fair, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for the one day you just like there'll be like a video podcast where it'd just be you by yourself. It'll start with you staring at the camera, just like my fellow podcasters, stop, just please <laughs> stop. We should make it, we should make it a gimmick if we ever, uh. We ever get into video podcasting? <laughs> oh dear! <coughs> right, uh, Coxie, Coxie thoughts before we move on to the main event. Um, yeah, it was it was an all right match. Um, I kind of lost points because I was like making notes and stuff. Um, I saw the Billy Goat's curse, and it was the the bit at the the the, the end really caught me where um, Colt goes for, like the Superman pin. But he sort of ends up like with his arms outside the bottom rope, 
It which, was obvious, wasn't it? It was an obvious... Well, surely in that sort of situation, like the ref should, sort of, should have sort of stopped it because it was, like, not great. Well, evidently, he wasn't going for leverage, but it was clearly setting up for the spot. Like... Yeah, it was obvious, wasn't it? It was an obvious finish. It was obvious what was going to happen. So... Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was... Yeah, it was... Yeah. Serviceable. <laughs> so, so. It served its purpose. <coughs> so, um, pulsimate, penultimate um, interview segment um, from Dave Marquez with one of the referees for tonight's main event, Tim Storm. Um, what's it, it's a lot like Nick Aldis in terms of very um, fan-pleasing babyface um, in terms of just... It, it, in terms of just sort of like getting the crowd to invest in him by just sort of like praising them like you're the reason the NWA exists and you know it I, I can't really I can't really do this promo that justice it was it was pretty darn good and exactly exactly what Tim Storm is is great at doing I'm going to say promos as a, as a whole on NWA uh, not just on power but in, on the pay views as well are genuinely really well... I don't know if they're written. I'm not going to say they're written, just in case they're just made up on... I don't think they are. But they are very, very good. They they build the the future matches up very well. They they establish... Except for Tasha Steele. They establish um, good characters. They do the job, as far as I'm... Promos are there to do a job. That's either to make the character better, uh, to get you to uh, know and understand the character or a wrestler, or to hype up something. And they always seem to do a job in the NWA. They always seem to do that job, whether it's one or the other, depending on I, who it is that's doing it. I have a feeling that they probably are scripted to an extent, but they aren't scripted heavily as... They are in, say, WWE, yeah. where you're basically reading off a script and because you're not a trained actor, that's why it comes across as being like monotone and most of the time, absolutely nothing promos. Whereas I think with NWA in particular, there's sort of like a natural, natural, natural stance to it. Like a lot, like how promos used to be in WWE back in the day. Because, you know, like WWE promos today are literally word for word scripts. Whereas, like, you could say back in, like, Attitude Era, like 99 Raw, 99 or 2000 Raw, there would literally just be sort of like a tiny little block to say, like, a Triple H or a Rock. And they'd just go out there and they'd have points, but they'd be able to have some creative freedom of how they get that point across. And I think that's probably similar to what they do in the NWA. Yeah, and I think it comes across so, so well in terms of wrestlers like Eli Drake, for instance. He is best better if you just go, go out there, do a promo. That's all you need to say to wrestlers like him. Go out there, do a promo. It's as simple as that. Do a promo hyping up this or do a promo on that wrestler. That's how good that roster is, I believe. With Nick Aldis, I don't think he needs much instruction. 
Honestly, I don't. I generally just think, go out and do this segment. It's enough for him. He can hype up a crowd. He can hype up... What he's done for the NWA in the last couple of years is nothing short of remarkable. Nothing short of remarkable. It's that NWA title, as prestigious as it is, was on the verge of extinction. And here we are now talking as if it, as it's the greatest prize in wrestling, which I believe it is. And that's all down to him and him alone. And I'm just going to take, take my cock out of Bunkle's mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think when it comes to Excuse sort of like Nicole, Excuse though, yeah. I think when it comes to Nick Aldis, and we've mentioned it like several times on um, when we did the Crockett Cup, is that he's probably the most naturally talented at cutting a promo in wrestling today. And as you say, Ant, like the NW, the NWA title and the NWA as a whole, like I'm pretty sure like he, it's like in the segment he caught like near the start of the show, it was literally just a case of saying like two and a half years ago, the NWA was in the cusp of, obs- of obscurity. Nobody was talking about the NWA. And <clears throat> he doesn't outright say he's the reason, but I think like most of the majority of the fan base can literally point to him and say he's the one that's restored prestige to the title. And that's why like, if, if people were to ask me today what is the most prestigious title in wrestling, I'd say it's sort of like a joint top spot between the IWGP world title and the NWA world title. Exactly. And exactly I mean, I'd, I mean, like I'd, I'd, I'd say the NWA is the most prestigious belt that you can win in the United States without going abroad. I, I, I generally think that. It's not a belt. You, it's not a belt you can win just because you go to lots of interviews with Sky Sports or with. God knows who else, or ESPN. It's not a title you can win just because you you, look. you suck up to the boss enough. This is a title that you win, especially the NWA and the IWGP, a title that you win because you are simply are one of the best. No denying it, because you yeah, are one of the best. You're basically the complete package. Exactly. It's sort of a, a, an acknowledgement <laughs> from... The people who are running the companies and the people booking you and the other wrestlers behind you, you are one of the best at the minute in time, especially with the NWA and the IWGP. To, to hell with all the other titles. I think they are more corporate than anything else. They are just corporate titles. Corporate titles. Let's call them corporate titles. I've got to come up with a thing. Let's have a T-shirt. Fuck it. But the IWGP, NWA... If you've won that title, or even if you're in a match or a number one contender for that title, you are somewhat on the way to becoming, if not already, one of the best wrestlers on the planet. That is on the mic, in the ring, everything. End of. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, speaking of the NWA title, uh, it's on the line in our final contest, uh, the main event. 
a two out of three falls match for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. The champion, the national treasurer, Mick Aldis, taking on the cowboy, James Storm. Now, um, <clears throat> the main gimmick for this match would have been two out of three falls. There's also uh, referee stipulations. So um, both men could handpick a referee of their choice. Um, James Storm, with you know his conspiracy head on, uh, just goes for the most competent, the most... Um, the best wrestler in the NWA at the moment, that being Brian Hebner. And um, Nick Aldis also makes mention in the promo that <clears throat> if Storm hadn't picked Brian Hebner, that would have been his pick, but he chooses Tim Storm. And I believe it's sort of like, um, he explains his pick of just saying that Tim Storm like, signif- like is solidifies the prestige and the honour that the NWA title has, and that was the main reason for sort of picking him. Um, so Brian Hebner is the referee for the first fall. Tim Storm is the referee for the second fall. If a third fall is needed, uh, there will be a coin toss between uh, which of those two referees are um, are to officiate the final fall. Um, <clears throat> so fall number one, it goes just over two minutes. Like literally, there's a there's a lock up. There's like locks up, there's transitions of key locks and wrist locks and stuff like that. Um, there's a clean break. And then Camille, who, despite the fact that Nick Aldis gave her the night off with pay, um, just appears at ringside. Aldis tells her to leave and he turns right into a last call super kick. And James Storm picks up the first fall. Um, second fall, um, James Storm is... Well, it's primarily just James Storm beating the holy fuck out of Nick Aldis. Um, primarily <laughs> on the outside. They go up into the crowd um, as... <laughs> there's, a, there's a quite a interesting fan interaction spot with sort of like someone who sat down and James Storm's just sort of like, hey, dude, put your foot up. So he puts his foot up and just sort of like does the tag team thing of ramming Aldis into the guy's foot. Um, James Storm with a quite a nasty suplex on the floor. Um, yeah, I, I, if you're a wrestler, I wouldn't recommend taking uh, taking a bump on solid ground, um, which is teasing of count out, which Aldis gets be, back in uh, at nine. Um, crowd gets their wish as um, they're chanting to uh, chant, <laughs> chant for the wrestlers to use the tree. Um, so they get the wish. As Aldis, reser- Ald- Aldis reverses an Irish whip and Storm goes crashing through the Christmas tree. Um, I was a little bit we- annoyed with James Storm because it's not 15, 20 seconds later. He's back on offense. So th- that was a tad bit annoying. Um, there's a lovely overhead belly-to-belly suplex from Nick Aldis. Um, great show of strength from James Storm as he's able to pick up the near 250-pound Aldis for... Uh, his like spinning power bob dealy, which calls the eye of the, eye of the storm. Um, he goes out, uh, James Storm, I should say, goes out, gets a chair, looks as if he's going to use it, but then relinquish it, relinquishes it to uh, ref Tim Storm. Mm. And then there's a battle of cradles, which Aldous wins and uh, wins the second fall, tying it up at 1 1. Um, so uh, straight after straight after the second fall, both men are going fisticuffs and they have to be uh, separated by their their own picked officials, which I thought was quite a nice touch. 
you know, um, the, the separated Brian Hebner's holding Storm back and Tim Storm is holding Nick Aldis back. Um, the official at ringside properly botches his uh, explanation of how the coin flip is going to work, just fumble, fumbly bumblies over, over his lines and very nearly drops the coin when uh, <laughs> doing the coin toss. Um, but it's revealed that uh, Brian Hebner will be the official for the third fall. Um, and then we get into sort of like Big Move City. So uh, literally, since the third fall starts, um, there's a Michinoku driver from Aldous for two. Um, third attempt um, after a couple of uh, missed spots uh, for a backstabber, which James Storm eventually hits for another two. There's a superplex from Aldous for another two. Um, there's another attempt. Storm reverses and nails top row elbow. Um, and then it's, I, I haven't really got anything else before the finish. So do you guys have anything of note about the match itself? Um, to be fair, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, up until, you know, up until this point, um, I like the the way they made the falls feel different, even though they were all, even though they were all just standard wrestling matches. I think it was quite important to make them feel different and feel like they had a different conclusion and like we almost like you were watching a different match, in a way. So yeah, I think they did a I think they did a really good job. Um, you know. <clears throat> Again. Okay. I've, Oh, I'll, 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 I'll touch on I'll touch on at the end of sort of like the story that <clears> I, I the the kind of story that I thought that they were telling yeah um with regards to the match because it plays into the finish as well yeah there was a lot of pins in this match a lot particularly particularly the third fall the piss yeah particularly the third fall. There was too much. It, it felt like, oh, one, two, oh, okay. Uh, spot, one, two, oh. Spot, one, two, oh. It, it felt like it went on a bit, oh, God, the oldest fan is bloody chiming up. I can hear it again. I've not said a word. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Your face tells me everything. Um, I can understand. It, 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 I, I, I love these two wrestlers. Do not get me wrong. These two are, are absolutely fantastic. That third fall went I make my notes are very scarce on the iPad but the, for a two 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 that's nine in the third fall that I've made note of God knows how many more there are for a two for a third fall in a two out of three falls match, that's too much. It ruins the it ruins that third fall because you're expecting it to be and expecting it to be a two, and then when it's not, it's like oh that's not a, oh yay yay great fantastic. It kills it kills the finish for me because we all expected Aldis to retain. Let's not sit here and pretend that James Storm was anywhere near <laughs> becoming NWA champion. Let's be honest. Come on. No disrespect. However, I will go into this. James Storm. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking deep into the camera, ladies and gentlemen. 
continue. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what I'm going to say next? I'm so unpredictable. No, I like the James Storm gimmick. I like what he does. Sorry about your damn luck and all that God forsaken stuff. Is it good enough to beat Nicole this? Is he good enough to carry the NWA title? Absolutely not. Let's not sit here and pretend and talk to each other like James Storm had a fecking chance of taking this title away from Nick Aldis. Even at a two or three format, even with Camille coming in and just distracting literally the whole NWA fan base. Because let's be honest, <laughs> yeah, what was that? Camille's out. Oh, James Storms were. Oh, right, okay. But Camille's out. <laughs> oh, she's gone. Oh, right, the wrestling man. <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing because it's true. <laughs> but that's um, it. There's, there's, no, there's no way on earth that James Storm, uh, all, all due respect, can take this title, Nick Alden. No, no way. No, 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 no. No, no, no. So let's not pretend he was going to win for the slightest. Let's not. No, I'll, I'll I'll touch on the 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 near fall aspect that you um that you've brought up um when I go through my final thoughts. Um, so the finish, um, Brian Hebner gets taken out with an inadvertent clothesline from Nick Aldis, and fucking credit to him, he takes a massive fucking bump off it. <laughs> like it's something his dad would never fucking take. Um, so this. This means that uh, Tim Storm, the second officiate, uh, has to come in and take over. Um, so there's a last call superkick from James Storm, which sends Aldous into the corner. And uh, he's like grabbing the turnbuckle. And as Storm comes in, sort of like Oklahoma rolling, um, Aldous sort of like takes the turnbuckle pad with him and like literally off the kick out, sends Storm into the exposed steel. Um, there was this sort of like a dodgy little bit when sort of like Tim Storm just sort of like kicks the turnbuckle pad out of the ring. Um, and then uh, Aldous locks in, he locks in his Kingsling Cloverleaf. And uh, yeah, James Storm is knocked out. Tim Storm calls for the belt and uh, Nick Aldous retains in a match that overall went 21 minutes 51. Um, in terms of the match itself, I thought it was decent. Nothing overly amazing but i felt it it was like the 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 story they sort of told was that james storm was going all guns blazing and it was up to nick Aldis to try and survive because like particularly in the particularly in the second fall it was all james storm and it was literally only off of a flash flash pin from Aldis that he was able to tie it up and then just to reference what you um you said anthony um, in terms of sort of like the near falls, it didn't take me out of it too much, um, just because it wasn't a case of like it being it being like you know James Storm hits multiple last call super kicks and you know Aldis continues to kick out and you know Aldis might do sort of like a, multiple Michinoku drivers or you know like choke slams or whatever is like non-submission finish will be and the leads kickouts, which is what WWE would do. It's just literally a case of, um, you know, big moves, but not their finishing moves, which 
I feel is something that's lost quite a lot in modern day wrestling. So I didn't mind it too much. But I must say, the creativity on the finish and the fact that you could take it both ways of just sort of like, ooh, has, you know, has Aldis done this on purpose? Has he, you know, taken the taken the, the, the little the little cheap ways of um, you know, going to retain his title, you know, to, to Tim Storm, although he's sort of like officiated down the middle, him kicking the the turnbuckle pad out of the ring did look a little bit dodgy, but it might just all be a coincidence. I, I thought that was that was that was really well done. I thought so. I mean, I had in my notes that it was a decent main event, nothing blow away, but the finish was very creative and it sort of sets up the storylines going forward for for power. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say that's that's exactly what I thought. I <laughs> cheers, Ant. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I thought this match was better on second viewing than it was the first time I saw it. Right. The first time I saw it, it was obviously early hours of the morning, a bit tired. And, you know, I remember coming out of it thinking, wait a minute, what was that? As in, because to go with like, what what, what is a screw job finish? Was a bit like, hang on a minute, for your first pay-per-view, that's where we're going. But then on the second viewing, like, say, you pick up that, oh, well, it's sowing the seeds of doubt for how we go forward with power. Is is Aldis a, a heel? Is he a face? It, you know, it's it's blurring those lines. And like you said about the, the the two counts, you know, I completely agree. If this was WWE or some, you know, that indie mud show that Anne likes, you know, it would have been finisher, dive, finisher, dive, pin, dive, and all that garbage. Yeah. So, and it made sense to go for the pinfalls as well. Like, I was, you know, if you think about it, you you're making that person kick out. Yeah. Think, think about it this way: every time that you're putting your weight on top of that person, you're wearing them out. You're forcing them to expend energy to kick out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense, and to. And like you say, you you don't you don't make your finishers look like a bag of shite because you have to do them all the time or a million times to get a pinfall. Mm. And it it just it just devalues titles uh, the titles devalues finishers when you're just doing like kickouts to them yeah. on numerous occasions. Yeah, exactly. I will say this: that Kingsland Cloverleaf that he does, that in the end, it does do a job for for that move in itself with James Storm sort of just going like a like a, some sort of depressed seal and sort of giving up on everything and just going like flopping to to death. I don't know what a depressed seal looks like, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 the, the um, Stone Cold Steve Austin passing out in the the sharpshooter moment. It's like that. I'm not I'm I, I'm not possibly comparing the two, but it's the same, it's the same story, same isn't it? It's same concept. Yeah, exactly. It elevates the move, and I think that's what that was meant to do in the end. However. 
The crowd did start chanting Merry Christmas at one point. Yeah, it was after uh, after James Storm got uh, after Storm wiped out the Christmas tree. The yeah. the, Mon- the Mongrovian pine, as uh, Mr. Bennett does uh, point out. Um, obviously, uh, a, a lovely tree in the state of Mongrovia or the country of Mongrovia. If you ever go there, do get one. They're very cheap. Um, don't shred at all, and your dog will love them. I do feel <laughs> back to the fucking wrestling. Um, I, that 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 last fall, there was too many two counts. I love these two wrestlers. I think if they had a straight up match, it would be fantastic. I just think this two out of three falls nonsense. I'm saying nonsense, but uh, it's classic NWA. That that's where that comes from. It's yeah, but did we just have a two out of three falls match because we had Tim Storm in there as well, and we could further this storyline on? Is that the only reason we did it? Really? Fucking look at yourself, Billy Corgan. Have a look at yourself, pal. <laughs> And just ask yourself, is this the only reason we did it? I mean, if the end at the end of the day, if you say all NWA World Championship matches are two out of three falls, I wouldn't have a gripe. But the fact that this has got it in, it tries to elevate Aldis's King's Lane Cloverleaf. But at the same time, it sort of devalues it with Tim Storm calling it early and God knows what else. It feels like a a shitty turn. It feels like a, a screw job. It feels like a screw job, which I don't think they needed or should should want really. You shouldn't want a screw job with all this. You shouldn't need a screw job with all this. Let's be honest. He doesn't need the screw job. He doesn't do it. But this has made it feel like it. It's feel it felt like a screw job to me. It, it's. It, if it if it was sort of like you you know I'd, I'm I realise I'm wrestling like a show that I've never actually seen before but if you were sort of like saying like Starcade '99 Bret Hart Goldberg in the main event and um, Roddy Piper comes out with referee shirt on um, you know Bret Hart immediately puts Goldberg in the sharpshooter and then like Roddy Piper immediately calls for the belt because you know. We love nothing more than sort of like referencing Montreal as, you know, the atypical screw job. But this well, isn't was done in a way. Pro- isn't it that was, a problem? It, well, no, because like there is a way of sort of like you could pass it off as like being screwy, but it's also sort of like done in a way that you could, you know, pass it off as just being, you know, um, you know, oh, Nick Aldis, you pulled the turnbuckle off. It's like, well, you know, that's just, you know, it was just a convi- it's just a coincidence. You know, I was hanging on because I was freaking sapped of energy, and you know, I'm I'm pulled away, and you know, the turnbuckle comes loose, and you know, you know, sounds like Storm my wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but you know what I mean. There's sort of like there's there's the obvious screw job, and then there's, there's the ob- something like there's this where. Screwjob. It's, you know, it's it's done in such a way that you could say it's a screw job later on down the line, but yeah. 
at the same time, you could just sort of like pass it off as being one of those things in wrestling that just happens. You yeah, know? I think NWA get away with it because it's, it's not. Okay. Is so it's, it's, I think Nicole is it's, so good he does get away with it. I think if WWE okay. pulled that shit, they wouldn't get away with it. It's not a case of getting away with it. It's just sort of like you know, if if like you know, Aldis had locked in the the cloverleaf and Tim Storm immediately called for the bell. Yeah. Then you'd probably have sort of like more of a case. But the fact of like Aldis get Aldis locks in the cloverleaf, you could tell James Storm is out, but Tim Storm is there just going like James, talk to me. James, yeah. come on, if you you know don't answer me, yeah. I'm going to stop this match. So. He still presents himself as a competent official. So, I mean, you know, you could pass it off as just being... I, I just I just look at it as, you know, coincidentally, Aldis is able to have the crafty championship experience and is able to just sort of, like, eke one, eke one yeah. out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a fully-fledged screw job. Yeah, I think it's I think it's quite smart booking. When you, if you... If you look at it, look at it... You, you got to look at it from the NWA's point of view. Though we know James Storm isn't on the same level as Nick Aldis, James Storm is one of the biggest stars they have. Yeah, we've all got to, we've got to admit that. So why would you have this way? Aldis doesn't beat Aldis doesn't beat him clean, but he does. So you can you you can this can be a main event again down the line, and there yeah, are no. James Storm has an out. Yeah, James Storm it has an out. It's sort of like a case of, you know, if I don't go, you know, headfirst into that turnbuckle, you know, I, I could won. I could arguably say that I would have won. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's booking for the future. It's it's booking for, you know, it's making you question whether Al, Aldis has been, come across as a face this whole time. And it's making you question, wait, is he? Or, yeah, and you want to believe that it was an accident. You you want Aldis to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the the, the the thing is sort of like particularly with the build up is like Aldis for the most part has been playing it as sort of like you know babyface champion, but yeah. then there will be sort of like moments here or there like he he on the episode of Powerway faces Trevor Murdoch. You know he's doing an interview with Dave Marquez and he literally just goes like a case of. I am willing to give Trevor Murdoch an opportunity, but it will be a non-title match because I don't like particularly think that he's worthy enough to challenge for the ten pounds of gold. So there's like little bits and pieces there, yeah. sort of potentially teasing a heel turn, but it's nothing significant that would make him a heel, like a fully yeah. fledged heel. It's just sort of like teasing on sort of like the the edge a little bit. Yeah, which I think it, which I think is like a quite quite unique way of booking a champion. Like it's, it's, it's kind of sort of similar to what they're doing with, I mean, I don't watch AEW, but it's sort of similar to what they're doing with Cody and AEW, but just basically, you know, he's the American nightmare, the champ, this, the, the guy that like lots of fans probably love, but then he will sort of like throw in a couple of like ribs at like other it's... people, other, other baby faces in the company. It's that uh, quote unquote tweener gimmick that that so many people are trying to do at the minute. I think I'm gonna put Alison K under that bracket of 
tweener because let's be honest, she acts like a heel, but she's popular with the fans, so she's a tweener. What point do we stop the heel and face shit? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm being very honest you with you. What point do we? Obviously, you've got wrestlers like because I watch AEW because I'm 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 I know wrestling. You're progressive. Um, <laughs> in body and in mind. Um, I, I watch MJF. He's the best fucking heel in wrestling today. End of. Screw you if you disagree with me. I won't have any of it. He's the best heel. So, uh, we we want these wrestlers who we think are good wrestlers. We want to cheer for them. We want to want them to do better. But how do we get them to do better if we're just booing them constantly? Because as we have found out over the years. Wrestling promoters have a big difficulty in knowing what is heel heat, heat, heel heat, as they uh, say, and heat because you're shit. Let's take a perfect example. Melina, you get heat because you're shit. MJF, you get heat because you're good. How on earth? Is a wrestling promoter going to decide that without consulting, saying me? <laughs> because because to be a good heel, you have to have some level of talent, which you know is few and far between. And just like that, we have another shot of Alina. Go fuck yourself, love. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a shot if you're telling the truth. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Uh, Coxie, you've not talked for quite a while, and I do apologise for that, but your thoughts on the main event? No, it's fine. Um, I pretty much agree with everything everyone said anyway. Like, you, what, the first four, was it two, about two minutes, 20? That's um, something, something along the lines, yeah. Second fall came around 11 minutes, and uh, of course, like Anthony said, hey, I've got in my notes, it's like a uh, bit of a brawl, Michinoku, to, it gets to two. Cut off by a storm, backstabber. Gets a two. Enziguri by a storm. Heads up top, crotches him. Suplex, two. And so on and so on. But it's also that thing for me, like, you knew going into it, like like you said already, like, storm wasn't... <laughs> storm... Storm wasn't... I mean, it's like, even with them trying to throw in Tim Storm in there, it's like the... Ooh, could he screw over Aldis sort of thing? Like, it wasn't going to happen. So, but yeah, it was a decent match. Like, I enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, decent little show. Can I just check yeah. the times on the uh, the falls? Because obviously the first one was relatively short. I don't know if we have them specifically. But how quick so, was the first, second and the third fall? First fall was two minutes nineteen. The second fall was I'm trying to do maths in my head. About eleven minutes, roughly. Quick maths. I clocked it in at nine thirteen. It's 
9.26 for the second fall. Mm. And then the third fall was... About 9 minutes... 9 minutes 33. Mm. So, I mean, it's... I mean, like, the overall match itself clocked in at just under 22 minutes. It was 21.51. So, That's what it felt like. I mean, like. Th- those are just sort of, like, rough guesstimates that I've made um, yeah. of the times. That's why um, it, 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 it did feel like that. I mean, oh, the first fall was quick, obviously, to further the tension between Nicholas and Camille uh, 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 and all that. Um the, the the third fall is the issue here. Um, in terms of oh god, I saw the look on Bunkle's face there when I said that. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like it when I criticise him, does it? No, 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 it's 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 not that. It's it's not it's not that at all. It's not that at all. I think you know. I think I've I've said my bit on the third fall. You know, I'm quite, I feel like I've you know I've, I've done I've said my bit and. You know, it, it, each to their own. Everybody likes different things. You like guys with hands in their pockets. I don't. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, you have different oh, wrestling oh, tastes. It, it, it's on that. No, my, my argument is I don't think it needed so many two counts. I think if they have a good chain, a good wrestling match, as, you, as these uh, two could have or should have, they... They're both good wrestlers in their own right. And you could have the same finish without the two, the so many two counts, the same finish. And I think it would have worked just as good. So have the turnbuckle slamming into James Storm's face. I hit myself on the head there. That fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. And then have <laughs> Nick all this locking in the uh, Kingsland Clovely and have that, 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 that still works. It's just there's so many two ca- It just took away the 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 the, the magic and the, uh, the 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 it took away the build up. It took away the build up of that finish. I feel. I mean, if you if you didn't like the third fall here, I'd I'd shudder to think what you would have thought of when um, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano had their two out of three falls match. Kind of say <laughs> Adam Cole. People often say I'm not very tall. Why are talking about Adam Cole's Adam, NWA Adam, podcast? <laughs> Adam Cole is built at six foot. I've had a picture taken with him. And I'm the same height, so I'm technically six foot. So fuck you, people. <laughs> um, the, the, the last thing I'll say about this pay per view, um, because there is an additional bit after um, the main event. Um, Nick Aldis just basically cuts a promo, um, just basically saying, "I don't think there's a man on this earth that can take the NWA title for me." There's a particular per- particular person that comes out, goes face to face with all this, and yeah, that's the indicator. Um, but I don't want to really give too much airtime to him because of uh, certain allegations. Um, so I've just got off the back for you here. Um, overall thoughts on the show. Um, this was for me a much easier watch than the Crockett Cup. I mean, it helped with the fact that. Um, it was an hour shorter. Um, you know, it's, I clocked it as being a two hours twenty eight, which is perfect time for a pay per view, really. Um, there were some decent matches. 
Um, some overall not very good matches, but it was an easy show to watch. And as I say, I, I think it definitely helped with um, watching the episodes of Power to sort of keep up with the storylines. And when we do eventually get to the next pay-per-view, which is Hard Times, uh, the January show, um, I look forward to sort of like watching the episodes of Power and then the pay-per-view, much like I have done for this show. Yeah, uh, again, I, I, can't, I can't really disagree. Uh, easy watch. You know, I love the fact that pay-per-views don't have to be four hours or seven hours long, as they are in some cases, which I can't stand. Um, you know, I, the show did everything that I expected of it. Um, I think the main event, again, was great, just like it was at the Crockett Cup. Um, and you know the the rest of the matches did what I think that they were there to do um, but yeah can't complain I I love watching NWA weekly on YouTube and these shows on Fight TV or goodness knows where else you get them they, they fly by and that's a, that's good that they fly by. They are entertaining. There's not. I'm going to say there's not a, a gloriously bad thing. Obviously, I'm going to go go in depth on the oh, there's too many pinfalls and guns as well else. But on the whole, this, this this is such a good show. This is such such a good promotion. Just, just go and watch. It's free on YouTube weekly. Why pay such stupid amounts of money to watch unpredictable unpredict- shite that y- you know what's coming? Watch this. Get this on your eyes. Get this in your ears. Just get it on your face, people. Get it on your face. I could I could honestly sit in the fact that I've, I struggle sometimes to watch WrestleManias. I struggle sometimes to watch WWE pay-per-views. I struggled. I have never, ever, ever had an issue with watching NWA. Never, ever. I can sit there silently. Oh, <laughs> me being silent, funny. <laughs> I can sit be a fine there thing. <laughs> being not Daz, being me for a good however long this fucking shit goes on for and enjoy it. It is an absolute riot. And not Ruby Riot, who's never on TV anymore. It's an absolute riot in a good sense. It's fantastic. To, if you're a wrestling fan, watch it. Get it watched. For God's sake, get it on your eyes. Get it in your ears. Charlie FM, for fuck's sake. Come in your ears. <laughs> I'm plugging your co- podcast now, so fucking help me out. <laughs> help me out. I I can literally just like I got a message from Bunkle the other day, like, whose whose idea was it to watch this again? And he's like, whoever it was, I just wanted to say thank you. And I was like, you, you probably best direct that at Lewis. And he's like, well, whoever it was, I can just <laughs> I could just envision him watching like end of your way, like watching into the fire, like doing the whole Ric Flair promo, like to his wife, like with a tear. In my eye. <laughs> that was this is the greatest <laughs> I've ever watched. <laughs> and then he just finishes it with a woo and just walks out of the room and she's like, what the fuck are you even on about? 
on a serious, serious, serious note, my, I, I, I've never seen a bad show. No. Never it's, ever seen it, a bad show from NWA. To be never fair, I was going to say, I think if Lewis, if you hadn't watched Power going into it, you probably would have struggled through it a bit because you wouldn't have really known, of course, storylines and stuff. So, in it's in a way, yeah, I think I made mention like in the fourth match, I think it was like halfway through the show, like Joe Galley, the play-by-play commentator, does do a good job of sort of like you know explaining the story storyline that's been played out on Power. That builds up to the matches does do a good job there it's one thing explaining it but for the full effect you are better sort of like watching the weekly show mm. so watch it guys seriously watch it <laughs> yeah cool is there, is there anything else coxie or was that all you had to say about it that was, that was it really i think it's it's just one of them if, i think if you just stuck on into the fire you probably wouldn't enjoy it as much, but if you watch sort of, you go into, you watch Power beforehand, and you sort of understand where Into the Fire comes from. Um, And of course, you'll, you grow to love that song, and then season two comes along, and just shit's all over again. We're not using that anymore. Well, well, I I will say the debut is, I think like, halfway through season two. I think it's like episode 16 that it kicks in. Yeah. So, there is, there is like a, sort of like, that's, I think like the first third of season two still has the into the into the mm. fire theme, so you know I'll I'll enjoy it while it lasts, as will we all. Um, yeah, so that brings us to a close on uh, our into the fire pay per view review, and uh, next up on the Lost Art of WrestleBox, we will be turning back to the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. We'll we'll be having a look at both nights. Uh, but we'll be looking at night one uh, specifically next time of Wrestle Kingdom 14, which is the first half of the double champion event um, to decide who, by the end of Wrestle Kingdom, who will be the, I believe, the first ever IWGP World Heavyweight and Intercontinental Title holders. Um, But yeah, that'll be next time on... uh, Lost out of WrestleBox. So, uh, guys, if you've got anything to plug, plug away now. As usual, if you've enjoyed hearing my voice, as much as I enjoy hearing my own voice, <laughs> you can find me on the Gunpowder Treason No Plot Podcast. They're available on all good podcast providers, and you can follow them on Twitter, at TreasonNo. And I've been the real not Daz Anthony Dart, and you can follow my boys at twin underscore thing underscore one. And twin underscore thing underscore two. You're welcome to tape, brothers. Also, at the start of this podcast, we mentioned something uh, very, very special, especially to um, um, my heart. And also, if you are struggling with anything in particular and need to speak to someone, I cannot, uh, especially in the Blackpool area and the Northwest or anywhere around the UK, please speak to Supporting Minds. They are fantastic. They work with the NHS. So call them on 01253 955700. Give them a ring. They are fantastic, fantastic people. They've helped me out a lot without going into great detail. I'm out of character at the minute. I'm speaking to you as Anthony Dart. Go and speak to him with anything at all. You don't need a referral from your GP or your doctor or anything like that. 
just go and speak to them. They will help you out the best they can. They are fantastic people. Please do that. I'll put the info in the description. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and of course, if you enjoyed hearing my voice, as much as I enjoy hearing my own voice, because I'm like Bunker, the <laughs> delivery man, delivering audio gold, please sign here. In fact, no, I've got to sign for it myself because of COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> Living the gimmick. <laughs> No, of course, because I don't self-flate high-five like Bunkle does. <laughs> uh, of course, you can find the Lost Art of Podcasting on Facebook, on Twitter, at Lost Art Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, at Lost Art of Podcasting, where I do possibly wrestling stuff sometimes. You can find the Lost Art of Podcasting on Twitter, at LAOW Podcast, and on Facebook, at Lost Art of Wrestling. And, of course, you can find... <laughs> Not that he's having a random dance. Someone bring him a boy. Not literally. <laughs> um, please, can... for the love of fucking God, stop saying that. Oh, please do, for the sake of my employment. Please stop saying that. Me, and of course, you can, you can follow our sister pod, the Phoenix Pod. And they're on, uh, like this pod, they're on all good podcast providers, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, and Stitcher. And other places. And, uh, and uh, the one little plug I'll give is um, primarily for our uh, our good buddy Stupid Sexy Flinders and uh, his podcast Red Live, um, which I tend to feature on sometimes. Um, so be sure to go and search for it on Facebook, uh, Red Live. Also search for it on Twitter, and they're available on all good podcasting sites: Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, if you've got an Android phone and you use the CastBox app, we're on there as well. And, uh, yeah, other good podcast insights. Um, lads, thank you very much for coming on again. And uh, we'll probably see most of you next time for when we do NWA Hard Times. Um, but until next time on the Lost Art of WrestleBox, I've been the stowaway, Lewis Ogden. I've been the delivery man, Billy the Boy Bunkle. I've been the real not Daz, Anthony Dark. And I've been AXC. And we will see you next time for night one of Wrestle Kingdom 40.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.